This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? There's All buddy. Right. There's Happy buddy. holidays, everybody. That is, of course, uh, Elf, um, which is all-time Christmas classic and almost 20 years old now, which really freaks me out. I don't and know if you are aware of that. You have me, lots of experience being buddy. I ha- I'm wearing Elf socks right now, actually. <laughs> are which, you really? Um, I just realized. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, I was <laughs> not kidding. I just realized. I'm looking down. Um, those are brand new. And yeah. um, I picked them up in Idlewild uh, nice. just a, a week or so ago. And, um, yeah, I, I had an Elf costume – and the good, the nice thing about an elf costume, for a long time when I had kind of my curly sort of oh, fro yes, hair, yeah. I really looked like uh, Will Ferrell. A lot of people told me that, um, you know, when I would put on the costume. But sure. I got a lot of mileage out of it because you can wear the elf costume for Halloween, which I did on many occasions. But then you can also throw it on for the Christmas season oh, um, yeah. if you are so bold, which I was yeah, uh, in my time. youth. And um, yeah, for about a, maybe a six or seven year run, I um, yeah, I showed did. up with that uh, often, <laughs> often times to like every Christmas thing. Yeah, and and like just costume parties as well. Sure, um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, that that movie has just grown on me more and more over the years, and yeah. I, to the point that I wonder now, now that it's kind of in the public consciousness, you know, when when I watch that movie, I don't know if this is the same for you. Um, all of the kind of North Pole stuff, so uh, clearly emulating and, and mirroring the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sure. claymation stuff. I wonder now if kids today see that and that seems like an original. That's the original. Uh, elf, yeah. You know what I mean? Like creation yeah. of the North Pole or if they are aware. Uh, I don't know if Rudolph plays the way it did. I know when I, I was growing yeah, up, it was huge. I mean, um, we don't really have like that, uh, you know, uh, uh Christmas channel stuff where we're sitting at home and putting on right, the TV and watching right. what's on different now. Yeah. So uh, even though the networks might be playing it, I don't know that kids watch those, but um, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. They may not see that. They may not see reindeer games anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll talk about that later, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Um, hey, yeah. uh, we're, we're going to come back around to Christmas because it is the holidays. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I spoke to you a little bit briefly last night, but I have a, I had a pod. Well, I was on a podcast before we started. Kelly, you're not my first. Um, <laughs> what? But, uh, but you are my favorite. I'm going to stop recording. Um, now. Yeah, you're. You, hey, you're my last, though, possibly. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, uh, Adam and I, our friend Adam, a uh, longtime listener and fan of the show. Yeah. Um, we used to do a podcast, and we had a segment uh, called "Legitimate Beef, Illegitimate Beef." Oh, okay. Where you would kind of discuss whether or not you had the right to be angry, and we talked about this last night a little bit. But um, I w- just want to discuss spoilers just briefly. Um, I've had two situations just in general. Yeah. Just in general spoilers guys, we, spoiler section. This we, is about spoilers. We live in, a, we live in a world now where yeah. the internet feeds you information, you know, imme- pretty immediately. Right. Um, and you can avoid that stuff and that's fine. But I think it's on the person to be careful and mention to someone that, Hey, I haven't seen this or I don't know about this before they start discussing it. If it's been out 
for a while. I understand like well, opening night or the next day, maybe not. I mean, there's a real reason why I attempt to see everything opening weekend quickly. because yeah, you can't control what other people say and do. Um, you can obviously like what you're alluding to is this concept of being, you know, in a group or in a, you know, we, we can control our, our consumption of social media and whatnot, but yes, what we can't do is yeah. Get people to all understand what you've seen and not seen in a social setting to, you know, not ruin something. And you have to assume that people will talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, you have to take the responsibility to, uh, you know, make sure that you don't expose yourself. Totally agree. Totally agree. And even beyond that, if you are the person that brings up the subject, you have to take precaution. If I approach you, I run up to you and I say, oh, my God, Elf, so funny. Here's the best joke from it. And it's 2003 and you haven't seen it. That's one thing. If you run up to me and you say, hey, Elf, what did you think about it? Yeah. At that point, I'm going to tell you whatever I think about it, right? So I've had two situations with this recently. Um, and just, uh, you know, just for the record, just clear and clear my consciousness here, uh, our conscience here. Yeah. People are, have been frustrated with me for giving things away. But if you approach me and you talk to me about these things, I am going to talk about them without this, any. This applies to both of us, yeah. not to cut you off, but we both experience the same thing of, oh, they're into movies and they talk about movies together. And so yes. I'm going to, that's what I can talk about with right. them. But having not seen the thing you want to talk about is an issue. Right. You, that's yeah. not how you talk about yeah. things. with. And, and of course, we're going to have real opinions. We don't talk we don't generally want to talk surface about things we're wanting to get into it yeah and so yeah, it's on. just like anything that you do or are passionate about or your career or your hobby you know if you're really into model airplanes and someone comes up to you and starts asking you about them but then you find out that they literally know nothing about them and have <laughs> right. nothing to offer to the right. conversation then that's that's just them trying to make conversation and that's all respectable and nice but you have to understand that you're not going to get into a surface conversation with someone like us about a movie that just came out. And that is as big as let's say James Bond. Yeah. We're going deep and, we're and going deep. And yeah. since you brought it up for James Bond, we I go. know we did a full James Bond. Don't like to be negative. We're going to move on from that part. No, no, however, but I'm with you. However, I, yeah. I did want to state that. And that brings us into bond. And, uh, obviously we went to, um, no time to die. Yeah. As a big group uh, and talked about it and had a podcast on it and everything else. Um, having now marinated on it for a while, um, have any of your thoughts changed? Well, let me regards? ask you, did you watch it again? I did. Uh, made I made a did point as well. to go back to the theater Great. to see I did it as again. Well. But go and ahead. my, um, I, I, I'm not going to talk a lot about No Time to Die, but my second viewing was uh, just about the same as the first. And I definitely, I what I thought was going to happen was once I was alone, I was going to appreciate it more. Because I was going to be a little bit slower. I uh -huh, was going to uh -huh. kind of absorb more. I was going to um, really let the tone of the movie get into me a little more than I did probably on first viewing where right. I had a few margaritas and everything. Right. Because I saw it kind of <laughs> midday on a weekday. And uh, no. It, <laughs> I, I absolutely do not. I, I don't want to come across as saying that it is... Uh, like as bad as Spectre or something because Spectre is really bad. Yeah, like I worse. really, really dislike Spectre so strongly, but I think in the same vein, and I think it's just a function of our 
love of Bond and our and our and and the world that we live in and the time that we live in. Right. You, me, the guys on James Bonding, lots of people. When Spectre came out, we were very excited and we it's not like we loved it or anything, but we uh over time have seen it go down in <laughs> in its overall, you know, respect and yes uh, and and perceived quality. And that's just a function of excitement leading to um reality. And right. I think the reality of for me of No Time to Die is that I don't think it's gonna hold up over time. So uh, has your now we also talked about we're gonna get into this a little deeper, but where we kind of, where it kind of falls on the spectrum of all the Bond movies, did yeah. that change, or did you just um, kind of think no, no, it's more this? Okay, no, I think I'm still putting it. I mean, we're going to talk about this, but I, I think I'm still putting it in a respectable kind of middle yeah, me position. Too. Me too, because there's enough great about it um, that it it does it does deserve respect for how um, kind of. I think different in tone it is even from the other Craig ones. Yeah, like I, know, I really, I really I know, I am agree. impressed by how different it is and how um, seemingly. Well, they're going for something they've never done. Before. Yeah. They allowed this filmmaker to do kind of his thing because it really doesn't feel like, you know, Barbara and Michael Wilson are, uh, are, you know, making a big crowd pleasing movie with this right, one. I mean, right. I guess it was sort of crowd pleasing, but, um, there is also a reason that it didn't make as much money as a lot of the other ones. And I think that's a direct correlation to the tone of the movie. I, I think that, I, I think that even through trailers and whatnot, you can, I don't know. I, I just think you can kind of tell that it's different and it's, it's, it's a more somber movie. Yeah, uh, throughout. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know about, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I have to think about that. However, I, I will say that in my second viewing, a lot of the points you made really came through to me, and I do think we're right um, that I had not kind of thought about um, ah. the, the scene. <laughs> the scene. Uh, I try not to. No, think I at don't all know. I would. Me. I would love for you to love this movie well, much more than me. Sure, but I sure. Just, I, and uh, and I'm not. It's not. I don't love it. Ultimately, like I said, it, it lands in the same place for me. Right. But some of the. Um, uh, inconsistencies like with the acting and performances. I think I like a lot of Bond movies, what we remember and what we love. If you can string together those three or four big sequences, it's the same for Mission Impossible that are really, really good. They kind of yeah. carry you through a lot of the other beats. And particularly with Bond, they kind of carry you through a lot of the plot points that maybe have holes um, mm. for all the Bond movies going all the way back. Um, that's not anything new. Um, and that's kind of what I felt with this one. I think the opening grabbed me so completely um, and then there were Which a couple other great. sequences I that mean, I loved. I, yeah, come absolutely. On. Everything up to that credit sequence is pretty Right, fantastic. and I think I was so high on that that yeah. a lot of the stuff, I was just kind of along for the ride, but not really analyzing in any critical way the first time. Okay. Second time through, I think a lot of the stuff, again, that you kind of pointed, I think is true and is right. And Craig is such a talented actor, I would argue the best acting this role, as much as I don't like his take and this tone mm. for Bond, uh, probably as good as anybody. But yeah, a lot of that stuff was just more apparent to me. Ultimately, it, it kind of falls in the same place. The one thing I kind of want to say before we get into, we're going to talk a little bit about just kind of where all the Bond movies fall yeah. for us, because recently on Screen Drafts, they, they ranked <laughs> their Bond movies. Yeah, and we can, gonna, we should, we'll talk about we, that. We'll yeah. talk about that a little bit, because that's kind of what spurred this totally. and me going back and everything. Um, and just think about how everybody ranks Bond movies when they're fans. Right. But I just want to say about the overall Craig era, 
sitting there in the theater, I was thinking a lot about, you know, why, why do I, it's, it's very well done. Craig's really good. Uh, Casino Royale is as good a Bond movie as ever been made. Sky yeah. Falls, you know, probably top 10 or whatever. So yeah. why is it that I'm, you know, kind of reluctant to get into this and why, why do I not like this era as much? <laughs> um, and I think ultimately it's just that if you're a huge Bond fan and Bond purist and you've liked Bond all along, sure. inverting that, which is what they've done clearly it is interesting and it is something new and it, it makes things fresh. However, it's also the opposite of what you've always liked. So it's not that you can't like a new take on it, but it's certainly not going to be your favorite, at least not for me. And bond has always been part of the appeal of bond and the escapism of, of bond. I still think this is true. And this speaks to you saying we're ready for bond to be fun again, you know, in the next chapter is nothing Nothing ever stuck to Bond. Like Bond always came out on top. That's sort of the wish fulfillment part. Mm -hmm. No matter what happened, no matter how terrible, no matter the torture or, you know, yeah. where things went wrong on the mission and the world's going to blow up. He always came out on top. Craig's Bond quite literally never comes out on top. Yeah. It's not that, oh, it's more, it's grittier and more real. This one was sort of, this final movie was cementing that in that. He was so close to a happy ending. The fact they were going to he do was like an ending, living on borrowed time for yes. five movies, and, and yeah. he says, "My worst aspect, my timing." Right? Like uh -huh, nothing yeah. ever works out. I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking about a person who, even with everything that's happened to Craig, you could have gone with the classic traditional ending, even though you've done something so different the whole way, and had him save the world, make the miraculous escape, and go off into the sunset with, yeah, you know, his daughter if you're going to end it anyway right if right. it's going to be a closed loop and they just decided to stick to what's been with craig all along you know you start with casino royale which is the mission that he doesn't really succeed on like he wins the poker game but he sort of loses the money right sure. and then uh the girl ends up betraying him and he's heartbroken and just devastated and it's just a cool ending and it's an amazing movie yeah but it's not what i want every single bond the reason i love that movie is because it's a one of one and mm -hmm. you know kind of like honor majesty's secret service and then quantum you know, it was him dealing with very real trauma, which again, I thought was very interesting. But then once we've moved on from that and I'm ready to get kind of regular bond movies, you get skyfall, which is also a beautiful bond movie, but that one you're dealing with literally his trauma again from his childhood and that death and everything that's messed him up that way. And then you've got him, his surrogate parent dying in his arms. Yeah. Right. And then specter is the one where they attempt to kind of have him leave sort of on a happy note. Yeah. But it's just such a bad movie. Yeah. And again, it's so dark and his brother, it's not really clear. Just like it's the villain in No Time to Die, stupid. it's not really clear yeah. why are you doing this? Like why yeah. do you want this revenge? It doesn't doesn't play as really real. Um, kinda like his chemistry with um Madeline Swan, which again is better in this movie than Spectre. Oh, like, for sure. Far and away. Yeah, for sure. But um but anyway, so all of these things play into it and all these things are why, you know, I don't go to a Bond movie for the heaviness. Um I'm not saying I never want to see it and there can't be moments. But I think you really got to bring it back around. I think this is why I really enjoy the Kingsman movies. This is why I think we and the James Bonding podcast, if you listen to that, we've all kind of talked about how Mission Impossible is sort of doing Bond the best way right now. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of the reason why. And these are very well-made movies. They're respectable movies. It's not that I'm in any way saying, you know, there's something wrong with these or bad. It's just the choices they made do not appeal to me. And if you love James Bond before this era, then I don't – I guess I don't understand how you can love this era. I think you can respect it. I think you can have enjoyed it as something different. I just don't understand how you could fully love this era 
if you loved the other one because it yeah. is undoing all of that. And the, anyway, that's that's my big thought. I know I'm just no, I, I love everything you said. I I uh, I do wonder about these people that talk about the Craig era and uh, talk about it being you know the best era or he's the best Bond or whatnot because uh, those must be casual fans. They have to yeah. be because yeah. you can't. Yeah, he doesn't really have a place in the overall Bond kind of uh, theatrics. It's just something different, and um, it. All these other, all virtually every other bond is, um, of the same kind of ilk in a way. Yeah, but yeah. because I think the movies were made more c- consistently, or right? Something. Right. You know, I think it, it it has to do with the 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 art artisan filmmakers being brought in in more recent years and things like that. But, um, I. Uh, I, yeah, I dig all that. I, I, I guess we'll just talk about the screen draft stuff. Um, yeah, let's uh, jump into it. F- you know, friend of the podcast screen drafts, uh, is a great podcast. They are, um, uh, pretty notorious for doing really long podcasts. <laughs> um, and yeah. this is no exception. If you think we talked for a long yeah, time. They did a two part bond draft, which is a, like a sports, uh, they call it a, you know, serpentine style draft yes. where, uh, they have a bunch of people playing and people get different picks and then they, they ultimately, uh, you know, each compete for getting their picks on the board and in their appropriate spots. And what you're left with are sometimes really, obscure <laughs> versions of top 10 lists right. or top five lists where, uh, you know, they do things like uh, time travel movies and they do, you know, um, uh, you know, horror and they do all kinds of bi- general genres, but they did the bond super draft, which essentially, or mega draft, whatever they call it, uh, where they're drafting literally every movie. So they're just putting them in a list and this was 10 hours long. Yes. So we, listen, we both listened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We both listened to it. Uh, this is in the last you know month or so after No Time to Die, and uh, and it just brought up so much emotion in us because yeah. it's yeah. kind of like a roller coaster the whole time. You're just struggling with what people are voting for and when, for them. And they um, were they were oh, them, yeah, I mean, they're yeah. they're passionately arguing and because getting one really in, upset. One in two people can throw a huge wrench in the the mechanism of getting things into the right place because if you yeah. play something that really should be first. Last, you only have so much uh, ammunition to get that person to to not put it there. And that's part of what I'll say about uh, screen drafts. I mean, as interesting as it is and as fun as I think it can be, it's a lot like Congress or the Senate (laughs) in that everyone being forced to compromise ultimately ends up with everyone, I think, a little bit angry at the end of every one. Now, now it's, you know, it's a certain way to do it. Right. And I think it's really cool. But some would argue that's democracy. Yeah, exactly. No, no one is completely happy. But, right? everyone's dealing um, with um, anyway. But um, yeah, it was interesting. I think it takes away from yeah the and, entertainment and, and, value and I think a we little can, bit. <laughs> can we say? I mean, I think we can say where they landed for the top. Or what do you think? I, I don't. Um, I don't want to do it if you don't want to do it. No, I think what we do. I think that's we don't talk about them anymore. Okay, got uh, it. They're great. Check out their got podcast. Um, what what Patrick well, asked me a couple of weeks ago was just to put put uh, all twenty five Bond movies into five tiers. So and uh, well, let me just say this then yeah, yeah. because so many people were upset and because there were so many arguments and clearly so many opinions and it's so subjective with the bond stuff rather than in the spirit of compromise and the spirit of how me and Kelly kind of do things. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> less contentious. I think um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I, I was, I was more interested in, okay, it doesn't really matter to me if you have casino Royale above Goldfinger and I have Goldfinger above casino Royale and they're one and two. Right, right. I was just more considering, all right, give me your, your five ish 
movies that are at the top of the bond heap there's 25 of them it doesn't matter right. if we if we put them in completely opposite order that's fine and then what are your bottom ones and i and i feel like now we'll find out we haven't looked at each other's lists but i feel like we're going to be on similar Pretty pages close. Um, but I encourage you to uh, tell me when I'm wrong. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But should we start top I, tier and work down? I, so uh, I think the lowest tier, which I would call tier five. Yes. Okay. Um, meaning the roughly the f- you know four, five, or six, or whatever number yep. Yep. Uh, uh, of have the to be worst exact. Bond movies. And uh, I'm going to say them. I, I didn't even really put that. So when I wrote this, I felt strongly that I needed to do it just like stream of consciousness and not think too hard about it. Just mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. my gut feeling and not to uh, put five in each category, just to put what felt like it deserved to be in that that tier. And then also I didn't put them in order. Uh, I just put them neither in groups. Did I. Neither did I. That's so the, kind of the, kind of the, the point. The group that yeah. I have of tier five is Moonraker, Octopussy, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, Die Another Day, and Spectre, which okay. is five movies. Okay. What's your... We're we're al- aligned in four of those. Ah, cool. One will probably surprise you, but uh, let me say in a, in... Ahead of time, yeah. I, objectively, I know I'm incorrect on that one, <laughs> okay. so I don't think we're going to have a big okay, argument. Fair enough, fair it's enough. a total heart pick. But fifth tier for me yeah. is easily Octopussy. Sure. In my, Octopussy, but that's the bottom one. In my rewatch, in our both of our rewatches, I think we kind of both agreed, and neither of us had thought about this before that that is the worst Bond movie. By far, it's yeah. it's very very bad. Um, Die another day. Yeah. Which until I rewatched Octopussy, I had always put at the bottom yeah. just because I was. <laughs> sure, there's a lot of reasons. Sure, sure. Um, Spectre, which we agree on. Diamonds are forever, which is the the worst of the. Um, uh, Can uh, I guess Connery's. what you're gonna say? Yeah, for the fifth one. Yeah, uh, you only live twice. No, no. Okay, all right. What is it? It is Quantum of Solace. Oh wow, we which, put it in the which, bottom. Which has which has. I know it's on the bottom tier, but it has greatly leapt in terms of my regard for it since the original time I saw it. The first time Lept I saw it... up or b- better? Uh, upward, okay. upward, better. Better. Since yeah, the, fir- the first time I saw this coming off of Casino Royale, yeah. where I was just like, is this the best Bond movie ever made? The promise of that immediate sequel yeah. was so high for me. Yeah. And it's not just that the movie didn't live up to that. Again, I don't blame the filmmakers, but if we're just objectively ranking this, sure. to not finish the script and for that to be very clear yeah. and for the plot to be unclear and the villains kind of... You know, there's just a lot of problems. It's it's very very half baked. It's a cake that comes out and it's still kind of doughy. Yeah. Um, the thing that saves that one for me, in to me, in my opinion, this is Craig's best performance in the whole yeah. of his whole run. Yeah. It's and part of that is because it's completely reliant on him. We follow him in every scene. It's just mm-hmm. bon- it's just him walking around dealing with the trauma of the first one, and he's magnificent. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever looks better. I think he looks so cool mm-hmm. as Bond because I don't think he really looks like Bond in a lot of um, the Bond movies. Yeah. And he is dealing with real trauma. Like we said, it's not something I go to a Bond movie for, but it's so good. That last scene where he goes and he stops the guy from running the same it's con. It's a bold choice to end the movie that way. Yeah, and it, they, they pull it off. It's, it's just, pretty yeah, solid. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, there are just so many problems with it. I, I give it an out. I, I, I went back and forth a bunch on putting it fourth tier or fifth. Okay. So enough. I went back. So it is on the precipice of, you know, going back and forth. So anyway, that's mm-hmm. our, our fifth tier. The only difference is you have Moonraker. I have Quantum. 
yeah. everything got it, got it, else we're in agreement on. Okay. So um, I dig all that. I don't really have anything to say. Um, right. Tier four, I have You Only Live Twice. Okay. I have License to Kill. Okay. I have uh, Man with a Golden Gun and For Your Eyes Only. Okay. Okay. We're... Oh, for your eyes only. Yeah. Wow, that one's surprising to me. Okay. So, and just for the record, I'm a, a huge Roger Moore booster. Like, he's pretty much my bond. Like, I don't even right. care about Connery right. as much, but I will acknowledge that, uh, you know, he made some bad movies. And, and I guess that brings up this question of are we ranking them based on our enjoyment of watching them right. or right. A, a mixture of that and the objective quality of the movie. And I think for me, it's a, it's a mixture, okay. you know, okay. um, but yeah. Go okay. Ahead. So, um, fourth tier for me, did you do never say never again? No, sorry, I didn't. It's okay. I just did the real 25. I've got that in the fourth tier, but it doesn't really matter. Neither. I would probably put that there. Yeah, that's fair. So fourth tier for me, I have both Timothy Dalton Bond movies. Oh, really? License to Kill and Living Daylights. Cool. Um, It's not that I don't enjoy them. Uh, I really love Living Daylights. It's not that I don't enjoy it. Both of those felt so problematic to me, and they still do. (laughs) I don't think they knew where to go after more. More had been there so long. Living Daylights to me is a Roger Moore film with Timothy Dalton in it. And Timothy Dalton's doing something and more he's serious not and the, the movie's movie at silly. All. <laughs> yeah, so they're yeah. in different movies. And I yeah. just can't ever get past that. It's a fun Bond adventure. Yeah. They're also, I agree with the screen drafts guys on this one, it's too clunky. Uh, um, there's too many villains. Um, it's kind of like just a, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I'm not really sure which way we're supposed to be going. So that was the other thing with that one. License to Kill is such a clear reflection of um, like the Lethal Weapon movies and the 80s, you know, uh, action movies, which are not really Bond. Um, and the fact that he's fighting drug dealers and yada, yada, yada. Um, so that one never quite worked for me either. Um, another fourth tier one that I've got is A View to a Kill, um, which is to me <laughs> almost objectively as bad as Octopussy, but it's for it's just more fun like it's it's so dumb and fun and i like christopher walken so much that's fair. Even that one got so many fun points for me that i to just me too. I, it, I have it in a weird it, spot i can't yeah. not put it as low as it probably should go but i also couldn't quite bring myself to move it up a tier right um ultimately if that makes sense that's fair um and then the other one that i've got on the uh the fourth rung or yeah the fourth one yep. down looking at my list hang on oh so uh the world is not enough to me is fourth tier for me mm-hmm. um it's, i mean you're not wrong denise it, richards really ruins it yeah it and it, it was the first one where i think in my opinion it was the first one that got problematic with pierce um it the first half of it feels like a good Bond movie, kind of like Spectre. I feel like we're going to go somewhere, right? And then we just don't. You can say that about it, uh, about Die Another Day too. Remember that for the sure. first forty, fifty minutes yeah. of Die Another Day are like fucking really good. Yep. That's the reason on my rewatch, I um, I moved it from the very bottom yeah, because I was watching fair. it. And I was like, wait, did I misremember this? And then it got into all the stuff that is really awful. Uh, and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, no, it's terrible. So that's my fourth tier, and yeah. that's where I end now. I will say you put Man with the Golden Gun I and did. You Only Live Twice in the fourth tier. Both of those are were are another two that were just teetering and teetering. And I'll explain yeah. why yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. move them down. But but go go with your third tier. And then um, I'll... my third tier is Doctor No. Okay. Thunderball. Okay. We agree. View to a kill. Okay. World is not enough. Okay. Quantum. All right. And No Time to Die. Okay. Okay. So again, we've. By the third tier, I think we're still mostly the same movies in right. one, two, and three, but we're not completely in alignment. Okay, yeah. So top of the heap for third tier to me is Dr. No. Right. 
And then another third tier choice for me, which a lot of people have much higher, is Skyfall. Uh huh. That's I'll, fair. And I'll talk about why. Uh, that one teetered for me as well. Thunderball also third tier. Yeah. Um, th- this is where I have Moonraker as a completely objective choice. Moonraker is a bad, bon- silly Bond movie. Sure. It's a remake of Spy Who Loved Me, but in space <laughs> but instead it got of the a third ocean. Tier for you, yeah. <laughs> but it's also it's just so fucking fun to me. Um, Jaws being back. You know but what's also weird kind of is that I, I saw these when I was pretty young. You know, I'm like nine, yeah. ten years old, and I've always hated or mostly hated that. Moonraker. Is interesting. Like even when I was young, I wow. always thought it was bad. Okay, and I don't know why. Well, again, it, it you're probably not wrong. Was the one I rewatched the least as yeah. a kid. Like for me, for for a nine year old to be like, I'm fucking way into Live and Let Die, but not Moonraker. Yeah, yeah. Thinking back doesn't make sense, right? At yeah. all. It's strange, strange. Okay, uh, but um, anyways, go ahead. Well, so the other ones I have here are one that you've already named, Man with the Golden Gun, mm-hmm. which to me just falls kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, you only live twice. Okay. And no time to die, which we both I think agreed. Nice, are, are right I'm glad in the you put it there. Yeah. Now, Sky again. We're not ordering these individually. Obviously, no, Skyfall no. to me, as I mentioned, is above No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're gotcha. still both kind of in the middle. It's just Middling, upper middle because yeah. I named I think seven movies here in the middle one. So I it's a big six. clump. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the biggest clump is right in the center, which yep. is kind of where it should fall. Doctor No to me, very much like Goldfinger. It hasn't figured everything out, but it's just like yeah. okay, the formula's there. Uh, Un- unlike screen drafts, I don't give it points for just being iconic. Yeah, I just I, I think that's a cop out uh, to, I agree. to just be I like, agree. oh, but it started the whole thing, and it's right. like, well, but but it but it does is it good? But it does because it here's the reason it's, it's middle to me. But here's the reason it's so it's kind of at the top of the heap is introducing Bond the way we're always going to introduce him whether it's the first one or the last one, that casino opening, there's never going to be a better delivery for Bond, James Bond. It's not because it's first. It's just the version um, that you'll always play. The villain on the island, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Running things. Yeah, very good. All of this stuff is is great. The honey rider coming out of the ocean. I mean, there's just, there's a million things in this one that I, that I really love. I genuinely like, and it doesn't bother me that it's slow and everything else. Thunderball, kind of the same thing. You know, Thunderball, it's just, it, it hurt. It's so hard because, they were just so happy in love with themselves being able to do all the underwater stuff stuff, that they just do too much of it. But it's still, it's a great idea. Look, it's the classic concept. It's the same reason that you and I liked the fourth mission impossible. When um, a couple of our buddies were saying, Oh, uh, another nuke. They got a nuke, you know, I'm like, no, that that's kind of the classic thing and it works. And again, it's the first time bond does. And it's the first time you see specter at the table and all these things. I think like you could put the thunder, the thunderball scene with specter, against the specter one the specter oh scene God. and it's Terrible. just a million yeah. times better and it's like how is this so much better you know what i mean as like the organization yeah meeting. sam mendez really phoned in oh God. i don't think he wanted to do it but big anyway time. big time but the, you know the shark pool everything with that one is yep. great i love the villainous um uh, character in that one there's a bunch of things in thunderball um skyfall to me is another one of these ones that's really good but it's good because it it breaks all the rules and inverts everything and once again i just think I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to grade that stuff. I'm like, I don't know that it's so much good. It is good, but I think it's more revered simply because it's different. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, the, the, the final shootout and going home and all that stuff is interesting to me. Being in Britain throughout rather than globe hopping is interesting. Like it all does feel like a journey home. The villain's great, but there are also all the same plot holes that like Dark Knight has. It borrows, oh, the, it borrows the, order of, the way uh, things happen things, is yeah. ab- absolutely absurd. Even for a Bond movie, it's like, okay, you can't plan I, that. I give, it, I give it credit for maybe being the best Bond villain. I I do think you're you're not wrong there. I think like at least consideration, right? I'd have to think about all the villains, like but performance, but also I mean, yeah, there are there are villains maybe as good or you know good for other reasons, but yeah. I just think it you know, gets a lot of credit for me for that because I I thinking back to No Time to Die, why is it in the middle? It's mostly because the villain sucks. Yeah. And it's for many other reasons, too. But it's mostly because the villain sucks and, uh, I don't know, a heavy use of CGI. There are just some well, things that, that really irritate me about uh, No Time to Die that Skyfall nails. Yeah, I agree. And I'm but, like, do I care about the plot holes? Eh, no, no, I, I agree. Look, I and also I'll say the villain in No Time to Die suffers from the same problem that the plot in Quantum of Solace. But it's just unfit. Like, like we, we didn't put anything into there. it. Yeah. We just stated it and then we there's moved not on. Enough there. So, um, yeah, with, with the other thing with Skyfall is just that, and and maybe this isn't fair, um, you know, the villain is a different version of Goldeneye villain. Yeah, totally. That did it first. Totally. The plot in terms of him getting captured and released on purpose is another version of Dark Knight. Like I said, there, there's a bunch of things that, yeah. you know, all of these movies repeat stuff, but they're almost direct copies to me on a lot of these things. Which um, I don't mind. Yeah, look, again, it, it, it nags at me a little bit. It's not a huge thing. I'm just explaining kind of why it's yeah. third for me instead yeah. of second tier. Um, I already mentioned Moonraker. Man with the Golden Gun to me is as much as the fun house is, is stupid. Other than that, I enjoy this movie. I like Nick Knack. A lot of people hate him. I like the oh, no, idea it, yeah. of the ultimate assassin sending Bond a bullet and them squaring off, but actually not sending him a bullet. Like <laughs> then having the turn of like the girl that wants him to rescue him because you're the only one good enough to rescue him. I love, um, uh, oh God, now I'm going to blank on the actor's name. I love uh, the man with the golden gun, Scaramanga. Uh, Christopher, oh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Lee. Lee yeah. I love Christopher Lee. Yeah, the, for the, sure. The, this is a small thing, but the stunt uh, on the bridge, even with the slide whistle, will never be topped. <laughs> I mean, it's just the most incredible. Sure, right. Knowing that they really did that, knowing there's no other way for them not. It's kind of like the crocodile run in, in um, Live and Let Die, where it's just like, holy shit, like these are moments in cinematic history, regardless of bond. Um, and I also, I dig the karate center. They send him to, to fight is as stupid and silly as that stuff is. So I enjoy that movie. You only live twice is only this high for me because it's so problematic with all of his Japanese becoming Japanese stuff. But this one is the one where it's like, you know, we're going into the layer. We're introducing uh, Blofeld, his ultimate villain, right? Like, yep. there's a bunch of stuff in You Only Live Twice that I really love, and there's a lot of stuff that I really don't like, and that's why it's middle tier for me. So that yeah. kind of completes my third rung. Maybe I went on a little too long about no, that. No, it's all but, good. Uh, um, there's where I land on those. So second tier, I have Goldfinger. I Ooh, have second tier yeah, Goldfinger. I, I have Goldfinger. I have Honor Majesties. I have okay. The Living Daylights. I have Goldeneye, I have Tomorrow Never Dies, and I have Skyfall. Okay. So now we're really going to argue. Yeah, um, cool. <laughs> so this is our first big I, I knew it difference. Would be. Yeah. Um, for your eyes only, for me, is second tier, which you had all the way, was it fourth? Uh, fourth. Yeah, yes. fourth tier. Um, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, we agree on. Yep. Being second tier, I absolutely do not have uh, Goldfinger or Honor Magic Secret Service uh, <laughs> sure. second tier. That's fair. Um, but I do have From Russia with Love, mm-hmm. which is 
a fantastic spy movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's quite a Bond movie, um, but I think it's great. I love yeah. watching it. And then my final, the very top of my second tier, which again teetered back and forth, is your favorite Bond movie, Live and Let Die. Nice. For me. Now, in no That's way fair. do I think that Live I, and Let Die is live bad. Let, live and Let Die should probably be second or third tier right. for any normal person. Yes. I, it's so enjoyable, though. It surprised me. Again, I don't want to keep harkening on screen jabs. It surprised me that anyone, no, so many of that them anyone didn't, like, didn't like Live and Let Die. <laughs> that was one of the big shockers from their podcast, But because I, I was like – Everyone likes live and let die. Like I, I that was my I, thought. I was listening to some other podcast the other day. Uh, I think shit. What was it? It might have been Armchair Expert. I don't know. Some random podcast, and they just brought up how much they loved Live and Let Die, and they were like, "That's one of the best." And I was so just much like, fun. "Thanks, yeah." That's and here's that's the thing, man. What I thought <laughs> Bond always reflects stuff, and it's like I have no problem with them doing a black exploitation bond movie because in 73 it was, it was a was genre in? of I cinema. Don't, I don't know why like, that's an issue. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I get that. I, I don't know. I, I get people bringing that up, but I, like, I know me, why a lot of what happens in the movie is perceived as an issue or is an issue today, but you can't go back and change movies and, yeah. um, they're, you know, they're, they're all obviously of their time. you don't want any, any movie to continuously, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a different way to say beat down, but but you don't want it to uh, you know um, play down to any group of people. But um, but all was, the Bond movies are sexist. They're uh, all sexist. I mean, You're either going to enjoy there, them or not. There are ju- yeah, exactly. There are just elements of the franchise um, that we live with. So we either right. li- we are we're, we are either Bond fans. Or we are not, because if we start dissecting Bond as a franchise, you can't pick and choose. Yeah. You can't go, oh, well, you know, this one's just over the line of more problematic than this one. And but it's yeah, like that's what, literally every single one is And that's what bugged me so. about those other rankings, ah. because everyone said at the beginning – we're not going to take into account, like it was very clearly stated, you know, <laughs> yeah, if we whatever. got into that, we'll talk forever, but then yeah. people would dock things points for that. So anyway, so that's my, my second yeah, tier. And so that leaves what for your first, how many movies do you have in your first tier? I, Top I have tier bond. four. Okay. I have um, five. This, this is the golden tier. So, and, and that's fair. Like a lot of what I put in the second, um, tier, uh, you know, I, I could have seen in the first tier, but um, yeah. but my first tier is Casino Royale. Of course, uh, Live and Let Die because it's always yep. been my it's favorite. favorite. Right. Um, I have from Russia with Love, especially on my most recent rewatch. Yeah, it's really good. I was just like, it's really this good. is an outstanding movie, and I, I I'm I'm not so much docking at points for not feeling like a Bond movie because I agree with you. Yeah, but it. Um, okay, so a, a little bit more context for me also is that um, I didn't grow up with the Connery movies. I grew up with the Roger Moore movies. I didn't really get into the Connery ones until I was uh, a teenager or an adult. And uh, they just don't carry as much weight with me. I realize that the character or the the personality of Connery's Bond is what everyone associates with Bond, right. but I do not. Right. And I think that the his performance as Bond, even though it might be iconic, um, doesn't... Uh, I, I, I don't... I, I'm just going to come out and say that I don't think he's very... I don't think, uh, as an actor, he's very good. I, I know that it's a fully realized performance and that That's Connery fair. knows what he's doing and he's doing what he wants to do. And what they decided for the character to be, but at the same time, I, 
I I think that it's I, I there's like a lack of commitment sometimes. Like Connery really goes up and down in terms of his commitment to the role. I think. And so well, for, I think he's on the record kind of almost stating that. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, fair. That's yeah. fair. But I guess with uh, From Russia With Love, I feel the most connected to Connery's bond. I feel okay. the most okay. like warm about his bond. Um, and that could be a function of me just not seeing all of them to the degree that I've seen a lot of these yeah, other ones. I've like, seen them meaning, a bunch. Meaning the quantity of, of viewings has to dictate how – how much you connect with with a performance, and so uh, so I put from Russia because uh, because I just have great respect for it, and then yeah, I have I Spy you. Who Loved Me. Okay, um, so yeah, and I you you stating this about from Russia with Love kind of makes me wonder if he was so engaged on this because Doctor No was such a hit, and it was suddenly like oh. I'm a star now. Do you know what I mean? Like I do wonder, like coming back to film something the year after. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be, be surprised if that is his mo at right. all times. Is right. like, oh, how much put should I put into this? Right. Based on what am I getting right. out of it in the moment? Right. Yeah. Um. He. Uh, I'm sorry, Connery fans. He does seem like a petty actor. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some. There's definitely so. To I him. just. Uh, I don't. Right. Know. But he's but also the man. Yeah. Um, for, so for sure. Yeah. First year for me. Um. Uh. Easily Goldfinger. I know um, you love I mean, Goldfinger. Yeah. It's not only my favorite, but I, I've talked about this a bunch. It's, you know, not that everything should have every point for establishing everything. No, but it's but, the um, blueprint. Yeah. And, and there's 100%. a reason that, you know, even if you don't give it credit for getting there first, it's kind of like, okay, this stuff is iconic because it still works. Like the, the moments don't stop working, you know, to me. It does still me. work. It's a lot the, of fun. You yeah. know, expect you to die, the bowler, you know, the odd job, everything. Um, Casino Royale. Which I think, again, if we're just grading movies, not even a Bond movie. Yeah, it's probably the best, the best movie. movie. I mean, yeah, on, for it's, sure. It's Number so one. Yeah. Even though, again, it inverts everything. Yeah. Uh, Spy You Love Me, which very much like Goldfinger. To me, that's the yeah. Roger Moore Goldfinger one. It's the got everything you would want. The way that you, you feel want. about Goldfinger, Spy You Love Me is that for yeah, me. Because I know that Bond No Time, or excuse me, Live and Let Die is not that. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's, yeah, but Spy You Love Me is, for me, the blueprint. And... Uh, yeah, so I, right. I, I get it. Yeah. Perfect Bond adventure. And then I have Honor Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. uh, which again does kind of like Casino Royale. It's the opposite the way. Yeah. But I just think it's so important to all of bond, Bond's character throughout. Yeah, um, they, they talk a lot about um, uh, 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 George Lazenby's uh, a lack of skill in right. the Screen Traps. Right podcast and um i I rewatched some of it recently and i just i'm like no i don't he's fine he's not great i don't think he's he's bad i think uh he's just a little different yeah i don't know first time we get bond on skis great ski sequences in it great action stuff there especially for the time um there's great stuff you know and and i i'm a person who in no way has any problem with the people were talking about the plot on this one like the Bond plots to me are comic book plots. I mean, <laughs> the idea of very these secondary <laughs> deadly and these and also these deadly angels on this uh, mountaintop res- resort where they're programming them Honestly, to go back. That's a it's cool, pretty good to me. That's a cool pretty plot. Fucking good. These yeah. sleepers that are going to go out and just you know yeah, bring devastation to the is, world. What is Bond's um, uh, like Achilles heel? It's women. It's women. If anything, yeah. It's, it, you could argue it's a perfect Bond plot. It's a like, perfect, what is the problem the with Bond this? Plot, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that at all. And then um, Diana Rigg is is also. Oh, like God, top on. top three Bond. Yeah, women. what are we yeah. even talking about here? Um, her her even, performance is so gut wrenching and yep, beautiful, yep. and every moment they 
have together is real. Yeah. It yeah. feels so good. It's a lot of the reason uh, No Time to Die works is just the theme song from right. this movie, right, right. if you've seen it. And then also just falling in line with the other, like the second biggest crime organization to fight the first one. Uh-huh. Now, all of that is fun. A hundred percent. Yeah. So um, anyway, and then my final first tier, my fifth uh, with a bullet uh, for first tier Bond movies is Goldeneye. Sure. I love Pierce Brosnan unapologetically. Mm-hmm. I think Pierce Brosnan was the exact Bond we wanted in the mid-90s to yeah. early 2000s. I do not think that the tone doesn't work. I think he does a great job of kind of being right in the middle ground between Connery and Roger Moore, who I also like both of their takes. Yeah. But I think there is some of the sinister, you know, kind of Sean Connery seriousness. And then I think there's a wink and a nod that Roger Moore ha- has. And I appreciate that balance i don't think it again gets out of whack sometimes but i don't think from beginning to end it's just out of whack i really thought about golden eye for top tier i get it and and what i kept coming to is that you know what i would any day of the week rather watch tomorrow never dies fair, over fair. golden eye uh so i love tomorrow never dies and um one of the happiest things about our That's ordering why to me I bumped it up. is that yeah. you didn't have Tomorrow Never... We both had Tomorrow Never Dies on the second tier, <laughs> yeah. and it made me very happy that you weren't lowering that, because that's another one that gets a lot of heat, and I don't understand why. Oh, no, it's I got love, all the elements you want love in love a Bond it. movie. It's a, it's a fully realized it. Bond movie it. with yeah. great gadgets, and, and uh, you know, there are... I, I, I don't think I've heard a complaint about Tomorrow Never Dies that I agree with. Me too. I agree with like you. Like, everything 100%. they said on screen drafts, I'm like... Uh, and on James Bonding, which they're split on Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, Matt, Matt uh, Myra loves Tomorrow Never Dies, and I, I, As I, do we. I respect that a the lot. The other thing yeah. about Goldeneye, I mean, just bringing Pierce in, it's the first Bond movie I ever saw in a theater. I realize that's subjective, but being a huge Bond fan who had watched them all on VHS and on mm-hmm. you know, those big weekends they used to run one Bond movie after the other, getting to go to the theater and see that, um, having 006, having this, again, the things people love about Skyfall – I loved about Goldeneye with mm-hmm. this, you know, that the is version of Bond that yeah. goes bad. I mean, it's it's the most to me of all the villains. I think the henchmen are usually the ones we remember, but of all the villains for Bond, having this mirror of him who matches him intellectually and physically. I don't know if you get that from any other Bond. I guess Grant in From Russia with Love is kind of that, mm-hmm. but I yeah, mean, yeah. it is the most equal uh, person. And also, come on, I mean, on a top is. You know, a thirteen-year-old's like dream. Best in regards ever, to yeah. like a terrible henchman yeah. who strangles you in bed. 100%. So those are our tiers. There, I don't think they're too crazy. I mean, we've got some no. back and forth, but we're kind of in alignment. I as get far everything. As that. Yeah, and you, I don't have any did. big argument against you on any of them. Um, let, I, one final thing I want to say, and then unless you want to say anything else, we can move on. But I actually did like a ranking. I literally just, okay, first, second, third, fourth, how many movies do we have? And I just uh, averaged them out. Mm-hmm. And if you average them where all my bonds land, yeah. of course, Lazenby gets a number one just because he got one movie and it's top uh-huh, tier. So you right. can throw that out if you want. Connery finishes with, depending on whether you include um, Never Say Never Again, yeah. either finishes with a 2.5 average, like second tier, like it's okay, like right. yep, 2.5 yep. to, to three. So he's either right in the middle or he's a little above. Yeah, yeah. Brosnan finishes is 2.75. Wow. So he's very next. Close. Yeah, yeah. Moore is right behind him, 2.85. Yep, and yep. he's kind of spread all the way across because he did so many. Yep. Craig actually finishes 3.4 for me. Now, a lot of this is because 
Quantum and Spectre yep. are at the very bottom. Yep. And then Dalton's four because both of his movies yeah, fall fourth just, year for me. Yep. Um, so anyway, that's where it is. It's Lazenby, Connery, Brosnan, Moore, Craig, Dalton for me if you do this ranking as what they are as Bond, which is not really fair, but where their movies land. Well, so. I'll maintain that I think uh, Brosnan is the most consistent Bond. Yeah, I think he's um, he knows exactly what he's of, doing and he does it throughout. Definitely one of the best. Deserves to be right up there at the top. And uh, yeah. Yeah, because you kind of have to ignore the Lazenby on your ranking. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. It's just – yeah, it's yeah. just basically Connery Brosnan on, on that ranking. Um, yeah, and, and, I, I, and I, I support that. Yeah, 100%. I think Pierce also – I've talked about this before, but for my money, and this is just me, Yeah, he – looks like he was cut right out of uh, a drawing, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean, on a, what, on a poster what Bond should look of like. what Bond would yeah, be. Yeah, him in, so, a, in a tux in the 95 era is come on. is about as yeah. Bond as Unbelievable. you can get. So, okay. Um, that's all great. Um, so we're never going to talk about Bond again no. <laughs> <laughs> until next in, week. In, uh, in a few years when a new one comes out. Right, exactly. Um, so let's talk about what movies we've watched. I'm going to rattle off a few uh, of the big ones, and I don't know what you have seen that I've seen, but did you see The Eternals or Eternals? No, I skipped The Eternals That's consciously. Fine. I didn't care at all. You know, <laughs> I'll see it sometime. I'll, I'll give you a couple of bullet points. My, my takeaway is that um, it's a very flat movie, you know, um, so Zoe Challenge. Zoe? Fuck. I'm forgetting her name yeah, now. I know who you're talking the, about the director, uh, Academy uh, Award winner. She, yeah, she won for uh, Nomadland. I think her name's Zoe Chow. Um, anyways, it's very flat. It's a very flat movie. I think that uh, a lot of them feel miscast to me. Ooh, okay. I don't really enjoy the cast that much. I enjoy a couple of them. Um, I think the story is super weak. Uh, th- there are just so many complaints with this movie, and it's. It's um, it, it's there's a certain group of people that really love it, um, and I think that those people, which is totally fair, are, <laughs> are really <wrong. laughs> uh, no no they're really enjoying it for how different it is from okay, other Marvel okay. movies. That's fair, and you cannot argue with that. We've had the same Marvel movie over and over and yeah, over and true, over, true. and this is very different. But I just think that you can have a Marvel movie uh, in the same way that we have Marvel shows like WandaVision that really WandaVision isn't like the rest of Marvel um, that can be good in their own right and be different. And this is very different and not good. (laughs) So I just don't I don't give it credit purely on that merit of, of being different. Um, I think it's also really poorly edited. I think it's really poorly scored. There's Ooh. virtually no music in it, uh, or that I can remember. I, at least I noted that. Right. It's very bizarre. Um, and uh, you know, whatever. It's, well, to it's me, fine. again, I haven't seen it. I can't speak too much, but just yeah. from the trailer, uh, stupid plot. Um, you can't. Sorry, I don't care what the rules are in not interfering. You you can't have a ten year journey through twenty plus movies that lead to an ultimate climactic moment, and then say, "Hey, where were you guys when Thanos came down? Um, why didn't you help?" You know, it's like, "Oh, we were told not to interfere." Um, I'm sure they expand on that in they, the in the they movie. They do, but I don't but even. I, think but it's I that but I don't I don't satisfying. care. Yeah, yeah and it's stupid. And um and this has always been the is always going to be the problem with plotting something out so well as much as I don't care one way or the other about Marvel doing something so well throughout the entire thing, even though it is the same and that's what gave me fatigue 
and then just kind of introducing. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's That's just fair. like continuing for the Star record. Wars I do anyway. think you should see it at some point because I, I think will. it's such an interesting when it's available. Departure, yeah, yeah, on Disney. I'm sure it'll be on I'll Disney Plus. On, so. so tell me, okay. So I want to hear your thoughts on Belfast before <laughs> I talk about okay. it. So tell me, yeah, because um, I know we both saw it. Real, real heart pick for me. I I think the movie was was really good. I don't think that there was a you know that the movie was bad by any means. But the this is one of those movies where uh, it leaps a little bit for me. I think just because like when you give me kind of a nostalgic dreamer kid who loses himself in movies and there's some kind of real world conflict that's floating around that and kind of interweaves with that, that that's sort of just one of the kind of movies that I'm going to be interested in no matter what. Okay. Um, I have never been to Ireland. I am not, you know, Irish by any means. I am of Irish descent. Oh, Patrick, Um, you're not. That that mattered a lot to my dad, my granddad. I think that hit me in the heart a little bit. Um, I just thought it was really lovely um, throughout. And I, I, again, I have a real soft spot for movies about movies and people who fell in love with movies early. Um, as soon as I saw the kid with like the trash can shield <laughs> and sword at the beginning, I was like, okay, well, this is me. It's very And then cute, when yeah. they're talking about, you know, even like the race relations stuff on like, well, how do you tell the people, oh, you got to lie, you got to double lie. So they don't know, like, kind of that fear of like how to figure out that you know, who's against you and who's for you that right, played you in a lot world. to yeah. just the world now as it is to me. And sure. sadly, and I guess how it is always going to be, but then all of the clips of them going to the films and getting lost in the films. I don't know. It really just pulled me in. Um, it's not anything that I would argue is going to be remembered by anybody. I just really loved it uh, for my money. That's nice. Um, well, I'm not going to add too much, but I think it's, um, it's a very nice movie and it, it, obviously is a very personal movie for Kenneth Branagh who directed it. It seems right. like is semi autobiographical and, and that, and that's why it makes it probably his best movie. He doesn't particularly make amazing movies. He's notoriously the director of the worst Marvel movie, Thor, the dark yeah. world. Yeah. And then according to everybody, you know, he's made a bunch of, excuse me, weird stuff. He, he made a murder on the Orient express a few years ago. That was fine. You know, it's right. like there, right. there's, He's really good at these mediocre movies, and um, but but at the same time, I like him. I like him as an actor. I've yeah. liked him as an actor and everything he's ever been in. He's um, iconic, including he's done Wild, it all. Wild West. Um, and <laughs> but but you know what? He, I just don't think he he. I don't think he is a very good director, and I think this you know puts him over the top a little bit because it's so personal. He kind of knew what he was doing a little more. Right. Um, I think Jamie Dornan, who I never saw the. Uh, Fifty Shades. He's the what? guy from that. How did right? you miss those? Yeah, no, I never saw those. But but that's all I know him from. I think he was um, in uh, Vista Del Mar. Um, oh yeah, which Barb he's star. fucking terrible in that. <laughs> and like, and I like Vista. That I like that Barb and Star movie. But he's also miscast in that. They were like, this is the exact same issue. He gets cast because he's handsome. Yeah, he is a handsome. He's devil. not a good actor. And you put him in Belfast in the essentially. I mean, even though really the mom and the kid are far, the mom more, was great. far more significant, and, and the they're excellent, yeah. excellent performances. <clears throat> and then you put Jamie in there, and he's just like a, a fucking bag of sand. And I'm sorry, Jamie, but you're just not good. Well, also so, Judy Dench is great, and he, the every, grandparents the whole are great cast too. Is great, I love the family dynamic. I agree with you. He's kills the weakling, me is that but. like. Put someone really powerful with a command of the screen in that role, and then maybe I care. But he's such such a 
nothing. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. It didn't pull me out because the rest of the family I love so much that I just ended up loving the family. Right. But, but I get what I get what you're saying. I get. What Anyways, you're saying. we don't need to go into it. But uh, that was Belfast. I mean, it's still worth seeing. It's a very nice, beautiful movie, but it just. Uh, it struggles yeah. for me a little bit. Yeah. Um, we saw Ghostbusters together, didn't we? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Man, I loved that movie. I did, did too. Um, and, you know, here's the thing I'll say about this. Uh, uh, we went with our buddy Kevin, um, who yeah. is the, clearly the biggest Ghostbuster fan of all of yes. us. I mean, he's the one who kind of grew up with it. That's his Back to the Future, <laughs> his Star Wars, right? Was, or Indiana Jones. He was super mad um, about it, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, I think he was okay with it. He just wasn't in any Excited. way over the top that we yeah. were. But what he said made total sense to me because – I realized the moment he said it, the reason I love this so much is he's right. It is a Steven Spielberg movie. It's a movie written by the kid who was the son of the person who made the originals mm -hmm. and therefore had the childlike wonder yes, that you correct. find in E.T. and you find in all these movies. And he's right. There's it not wasn't any real childlike wonder in Ghostbusters. It's a movie yeah, the about originals a are, bunch of gross adult not right. gross but sort of gross yeah. adults it's who great but for different 40 reasons yeah who are very like dry right and right. it is not a movie for kids i know ghostbusters ended up being kind of like sort of a kid franchise in right. a way right because of the merchandising and, and the whatnot, cartoon and that the, came and, out of it and, and, all kinds and of the stuff. big like you know stay puff guy and all that right. kind of right. stuff is like kid related but it's not a kid movie it's very like again you know, Harold Ramis did what Animal House, and then mm -hmm. he did Ghostbusters, right. and like right. that's a more appropriate comparison. Like, I agree. You don't have six year olds watching Animal House. Going, I agree. Yeah, I love this. You know, that's not Ghostbusters is Animal House. Yeah, you know, I, I loved it, but it, but but once he said that, I realized yes, I love this because it is the Ghostbusters for me. Not that I don't like Ghostbusters, but it is yeah. Ghostbuster in the Spielberg eighty Spielberg yeah, package. Why would I not like that? Totally true. Um, yeah. The main girl, the young sister is excellent. fantastic excellent uh, Paul Rudd is great and funny really like he fun. is and everything his run from the rocks when they're about to you know yeah, get it get it on really um, yeah, is yeah. as close to um, yeah, uh, yeah. who he's basically playing in this movie from the original as you could get um, uh, Rick Moranis right yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Um, anyway just super enjoyable for me and also oh, yeah. just the cameos we, were a we lot of fun it. the cameos yeah. were a lot of fun so that's our that's our grade on it yep I agree with all of that um Let's see. Uh, did you see Come On, Come On yet? Yeah. And God, I, I loved it. I know you did. And I, I and fucking I, loved and ev it. And everyone has. And you didn't. The trailer was one of the best trailers I think I've seen in like the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I, I found myself sitting in the theater being like, why am I not more into this? Like the whole time oh, through yeah, and the whole time through being like, I should be like, I know why I should be. And like, you know, understanding like objectively what's good and everything else. Yeah. I just couldn't, man. I, and I don't know if it was because I've talked to you about this before. It's harder for me to get to movies during the week. And you know, there's little time and I'm trying to see everything. And I went to a late night showing during the week mm -hmm. because I was determined to see it. I was like, you I'm not going to let this probably one Probably not in the best. And I, I really think it was more it. me. Now I graded it based on how I felt coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Like we went on letterbox and everything. And I don't know. It's one that I think down the road, I'll watch again and just see how it I feel. feels like I a very like it, 10 AM on a weekday movie yeah. and not a nighttime kind of thing. And, and, and that's how I saw it. I think it, it helps me the way I saw it, the time I saw it. Right. But I, Those I just think that it's a near perfect script, and I don't know how the perf the performances are like ten out of ten yeah, for me. Virtually every person in it, including the kid, are just like otherworldly performances, and um, and I just think it's beautiful. And I think the messaging of the movie and what 
they're really trying to say to parents or to anybody is like so present and, uh, and, and current and important yeah. Yeah. and really, really good and substantial. So I, I don't know. I just loved it so, so much. Um, that's, that's in my probably top three of the year so far. Nice. Okay. Um, glad you loved it. Uh, King Richard, do you guys watch that? Saw King Richard. Love that. Yep. That was just thought, super entertaining. Thought yeah. that Will was great. Um, thought he was really, really God, good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just an enjoyable movie. I mean, Super, I, yeah. I knew that story kind of somewhat already, yeah, really uh, kind of being all, a sports but, yeah. fan. Yeah. But, um, and some of the stuff, I mean, it really did in a really good way. And just a couple scenes showed you the, the danger of coming up, how, how easily this could have been derailed yep. just based on the dangerous streets that these people were totally. on. But it did a great job of not staying on that the whole time, making it a story of the family progressing through tennis. But it, it definitely hammered that home in a couple scenes. I think that was really I think strong. it helps that this movie, even though it's this Will Smith vehicle and he's kind of being, you know, his goofy self, but he's also, he's really, he's putting his all into it, you yeah. know, a la yeah. some of the, you know, Pursuit of Happiness era stuff right. where he's, right. he's really putting in, putting in uh, the work in. Um, but the the supporting cast of this movie is so good. Uh, woman who plays his wife, uh, the tennis coach Ellis, yeah, um, and the and the yeah the, girl, the coaches. The girls. But, but but what I'm getting to is the girls. Yeah, the girls are so outstanding, and they like are real. Those are they're just some right. of the realest performances you'll see this year. Um, and you're just like, how how did they get these girls to? really make us th- i mean they they are they are venus and serena like they they just nail yeah, it yeah um both 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 what they look like and just the emotion of the the pressure or the pressure they put on themselves it's it's great i love right. it i loved it right um house of gucci did you see that yeah i think i liked house of gucci more than you did so yeah, um, i understand that it is a stylized kind of um over the top tone, like I, I, I get almost felt like a fairy tale about the Gucci family to me, and I was on and I was on board <laughs> right. for that. So I know that's been a, a criticism for a lot of people. I think Gaga, I, I really think is is good. she's captivating. Whatever she is, totally, like yeah. you you can't take her eyes off her, and I think she did a great job. Adam Driver's always good. Yeah, I loved Pacino in this. I think some people were he mocking was, Pacino. No, no, he's good. But he's I, good I sure. thought he was great. It was heartbreaking some of the stuff that he did. Um, but I just the whole the the music the 80s of it all, the, the 80s sort of fantasy of it all, yeah. I got very wrapped up in and really, really enjoyed. That's cool. Um, top to bottom. I'm actually um, glad to hear that because that's what I wanted to feel yeah, from it. Yeah. But uh, me and Lori and, and some of our friends have all kind of agreed. I'm trying to like package this statement in a, in a nice little box. Mm-hmm. The, the things that make up a movie um, that are most overt to the audience i would say are the performances the dialogue or the script right um and the cinematography you know you're looking what does it look like you're looking you're hearing and that's where the the performance and the the the, what they they have to say those are like the three elements to a movie to like, I would say 90% of the public. And I I think all of those in this movie are awesome. Great. Love the performances. I love virtually all of the dialogue. If not all of it, I think the script is good. um, And I think it's extremely well shot. 
Yet, I think this is a bad movie. Oh, okay. I would go. I would say, airing into the bad category. Okay, uh, mediocre to bad, and and there's a reason because what most people don't talk about when they see a movie are all of the other technical aspects of it. Um, namely, in this case, post production. It's funny because uh, Laurie's friend Courtney was at her birthday last night, and we hadn't talked about House of Gucci at all, and then we started to. And we both agreed that it is suffering so, 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 so. She's a post-production supervisor, by the way, Courtney. So she is. knows stomach. She really knows what she's talking about. And she's like, yeah, the post on it has got awful. It's one of the worst you know, things I've ever seen. And so when we left the movie originally, me and Laurie said, it's like Ridley Scott made this movie, showed up every day, did his job. He's a good director. He's you know got all these great people, great performances. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. And then he gave... Mm-hmm all of that shit to post-production and never looked at it again. <laughs> I would believe that at this point. In that Ridley's literally <laughs> might be what happened because it's yeah, the only way it that you can, you can um, figure out how he made this movie or how this movie got finished with his name on it because uh, the post-production on it is so lacking. It's, it's, it, uh, you could say it's bad, but it's also just lack, literally lacking in content. So my major complaints are lack of score, virtually none, maybe none. Go back and watch that movie. There is virtually no score. And it needs... Yeah, it's 80s music. No, it's it needs score. That movie has so many long emotional scenes, it needs lots of music, and it has almost none. And then a soundtrack, meaning like pop songs, let's say, there are a few. They are horrifically, horrifically uh, introduced into the movie. They are so poorly edited around dialogue and clunky Ah. and jarring. And I've edited a little bit, uh, you know, and I've done some feature feature film editing. It's it really is terrible. It's terrible. Um, And then. Uh, Courtney brought up, she's like, yeah, there's a huge lack of sound effects in the movie also, meaning Foley. Ah, yeah, and she yeah. noticed that. I didn't notice that, but she's like, yeah, it's extremely lacking. Yeah, so it, it, it works on many layers. There, it, The movie is so lacking. The mix, just in general, the sound mix is bad. Um, and it just makes me think like they didn't have enough time and they fucking rushed it or something. I don't yeah. understand how a movie well, gets Well, Ridley's like never come in late on a movie and he's very proud of that and never gone over budget. <laughs> like so they spent very little on a very much yeah. been like I'm not ruining Anyways, this perfect thing. I'm not going well, to get into yeah, it anymore. I can't but. argue with any of that stuff. Um, there was a real kind of Godfather family aspect to me in this. Sure, like family yeah. downfall, like a rise and fall. Not in any way arguing it's Godfather. I think Godfather, Godfather 2 are 10 of the best, two of the 10 sure. best movies ever. Um, but that, but I think all that stuff kind of pulled me in. But I, but I can't disagree with anything you said. Um, yeah. I'm not an expert on any of that stuff. So uh, that's all good. Um, here's a couple other ones. Did you watch Power of the Dog? I did. Um, Didn't care for it. I think we talked about it last <laughs> night a little bit, yeah. so we don't have to go too into it. But uh, Power of the Dog, I what I've been describing it as is kind of an anti-Western. It's from Jane Campion. It's very, uh, it's a very enlightened look at uh, people in this era of the the old West, even though it's 1920s, I think mid 20s, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, and who cares, um, really? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's some good performances and yep, the yep, you are. know really really well directed dialogue and all of that kind of stuff. But um, but I get it. It's not it's not for everybody. It's very uh, kind of anti western. It's kind of sexual and kind of homoerotic and and yeah. and all these things. And it and it makes it kind of uh, um, 
just it, it's a different kind of movie. Yeah. Um, I love westerns. Didn't yeah. care for this. It's yeah. yeah. Um, did you see? I don't think you did see Benedetta yet. Right? I have not. I would like to know. Well, let me know when you see it or if you see it because I saw it the other night and I'm. There are two things that I think you know that I don't connect with and I don't like that much and it's uh, medieval shit. Yeah. Yep. And well uh, heavily religious shit because I <laughs> I, I have well no versed, connection yeah. to yeah and so that's exactly my point is that you need to see it. Um, uh, Paul Verhoeven, who directed this, has made some of the most fun movies of all time and uh, and enjoyable and interesting movies of all time, uh, like Total Recall and Basic, Basic right, Instinct right. and so on and so forth, Starship Troopers, but. Um, this fits in with all of those for sure, but in the context of that genre that I don't like, and I still really enjoyed it. So that makes me think you're going to love it, but maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, it's very <laughs> raunchy and, and interesting. And Well, if it's um, raunchy, I'm definitely Yeah, yeah. Like There's some raunch. There's some raunch for <laughs> I'll, sure. I'll let you know once um, I've seen it for sure. And then the, the last uh, – and I guess I should say I've definitely watched some like stuff on digital. Like, did you watch Finch on yep. Apple TV? I really liked Finch, man. I Finch enjoyed was it. super enjoyable. I'll probably never watch it again. And I just thought what it was a, a good movie. What a good small movie. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. A good small movie is exactly how you would break that. Down. And and that's good, all we needed movie. out of it. Yep. You know, just good. Eight um, bit Christmas. Did you watch that? I think you gave yeah. it not a favorable. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I you know I enjoyed, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed Eight okay, Bit Christmas. If it, if it came off unfavorable, I don't mean that. I just mean yeah. it was an average is right in the middle oh, super average, i enjoyed yeah. it and that you know that's we just it. don't get a lot of christmas movies so i think For sure. i support this i think it's really fun and funny and i think uh everyone in it is is doing a good job and i think that um, one is worth watching and also another one that who doesn't love steve's on yeah, for yeah. sure. Love yeah. him and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But that one is fun. I love June and Diane, Raphael. So, I her. Absolutely. Um, yeah. if, you, uh, if you enjoy the Christmas movie, you want to see that too, because Jess and I rattle off a bunch, and most of them are bad but enjoyable, right? Yeah. That's kind of how it is. The other one that we enjoyed watching is called Love Hard, um, uh, and it that. is not a good movie. Again, it is a Christmas movie, but it has so many fun references to Christmas movies that are better than it sure. that it almost elevates it. I mean – for me personally, they they get into a debate about Love Actually and Die Hard, and it's kind of like, okay, well, what other what else Excellent. do I want on screen? So anyway, that's the other one I would recommend. But keep going with uh with whatever else you got. Um, well, I only have one more that I want to talk about, which is Licorice Pizza. I don't know if you saw it. Yet. I haven't seen it yet. Oh no, yeah, I knew so that yeah, um, I want to. It's, I, it's top of my list. I want to mention a there. couple of things about it, but without getting into it at all. Okay. Um, but do you have any other movies you want to mention? Yeah, let me run off me real quick. Yeah. So, um, did you watch Tick Tick Boom? No, I'm going to watch that so soon, though. So I kind of want to wait until, because we're going to talk about some yeah. notable deaths and news, uh, yeah. but I'll get into that movie a little bit. Have you watched any of the Get Out, this uh, Peter Jackson Get Out uh, Beatles documentary? Get Back, you mean? Get, get, <laughs> get Out. <laughs> you know, when they took the Beatles and they put a different person in the Totally, yeah. Um, um, no, but there are three episodes, and I plan on watching them ASAP. It is daunting. Uh, ASAP. Like yeah. everything with Peter Jackson, it's in three parts and it's nine hours. Um, <laughs> sure. but, uh, but, dude, yeah, no, I check can't it out. I can't wait. I won't go into that. I want to watch it with the best it. picture and sound at home. For and sure. I, I'm, I'm uh, going to take my time and understood. really like kind of light some candles. And <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, as you should. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, the Halle Berry first directed Bruised I watched. Oh, um, eh. Yeah. Fine. Fair Fine. enough. Uh, kind of a rocky spin that's not as good. Oh, um, okay. I watched Red Notice. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I've been avoiding you it. Know, you know what? <laughs> Red Notice is, and this is kind of a sad statement, but it's as good as it's going to get nowadays with like a straight to Netflix. The, really? The kind of adventure D fun Let me movie. just ask you this. Does it have cringy dialogue? Sure. 
Okay, sure. Yeah. Look, it, it's the Fast and the Furious version of, you know, Indiana Jones, Ocean's Eleven, uh, yeah. whatever you want, National Treasure, even yeah. mashup. It's just a B or C version of that. But honestly, it is the only version we really get anymore of that. Did um, you enjoy yourself watching it, though? I did. Okay. I did. And, right. But I did with the caveat of I enjoyed myself watching it in the same way that I enjoy Fast and the Furious, where I'm just okay. kind of rolling my eyes Super and shuffling. Yeah, and it's not okay. as good as those, but I'm just saying that's how I enjoyed it. Um, the other one we Fair watched enough. was uh, uh, Jake Johnson, Ride the Eagle. I don't know if you've seen that. That's another little tiny movie, small movie. So Ride the Eagle is the one in the cabin <laughs> yep. that I told you about probably oh, four months right. ago. That's yeah, right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. you're the one who I, told me about I, it. I was a big fan of that. Yeah, we um, were too. I couldn't I'm glad rem- you watched it. I couldn't remember who had recommended it. Was it was on this podcast. <laughs> This is great. I said I'm, it was uh, Jake Johnson's pandemic movie. Listen, and he did yep. it very, You're right. uh, very well You're right. in during the pandemic because he just got these people to kind of peripherally be in it, and clearly there's did no it for need no for money. me to talk because but, these uh, are all the things I was going to bring up. No, no, it's um, great. It's great. I I super enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it, it has a lot of parallels to my friend Austin uh, Jeff's movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I in, in kind of in not in story so much, but. Um, uh, Austin's movie Double Eagle Ranch is about a guy whose grandmother dies and he has to go to her cabin to um, kind of reconcile that loss right. and, and right. Yeah. spread her ashes and yeah. everything. And, and yeah. that's kind of, you know, it's close to yeah. this, you yeah. know. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of questioning, did Jake Johnson see Double Eagle Ranch? Because it is streaming on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, they both got Eagle in the title. They're both, um, yeah. uh, no. I just, I don't know. You never know. Just Let's try thought. to sue him. Right, uh, no. right. <laughs> uh, so the, the only other one I want to mention is um, the documentary Hands on a Hard Body. Oh, and okay, so you, I fr- forget. Did you not mention this last podcast? Because I, you saw it at uh, at New Bev, right? Yeah. Did I already talk? We about have it? talked about it, and okay. I really feel like it might have been on the podcast. So I don't want to. Everybody, uh, check out Hands on a Hard Body. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It really speaks to human nature, the way it came together, and the Q and A at New Bev was fantastic. I've got to I've got to check that That's out. All I know I'll say. what it is, um, but uh, but I. I definitely didn't uh, – I don't think I knew what it was until you told me about it. So yeah. I'm going to check it yeah. out. Yeah. And ironically and hilariously, they did adapt this into a musical, uh, off-Broadway musical play, which I can't imagine what that is like, um, this documentary. But anyway, right. just wanted to mention that as well. Um, let's end the movie movies we've seen section uh, in a second here. I just want to mention that Licorice Pizza, which is only in limited yep. release right now, is one of my favorite movies of the last few years. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who's made a, a ton of really great movies, um, but is most known for things like Boogie Nights and Magnolia right. and There Will right. Be Blood and Punch Drunk Love. And um, this fits in with those in the best way possible, meaning if I was ranking his movies... Like he, the last one I remember he did was uh, Inherent Vice. Yeah. And I yeah. really didn't like Inherent Vice. Me neither. I know there are some people that really love Inherent Vice, but um, this like is so far the other direction to me. Okay, like he just course corrected in such a way. Oh, nice! Uh, that um, this feels. I'm going to say a few things that I hope. Uh, I'm really not trying to color your opinion about it, but I just it's this is fresh in my mind, and it might be another month before we talk about it. Um. This is a, in my mind, a companion 
to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. It's the same era, sort of, you know, right. within a few years. I think I think this takes place in 72. Um, it is a movie about people in L.A. in that era and the entertainment business and the weird personality clashes of these people and um, the the outside lives of the people that are peripherally connected to people in the film industry. Um, and it's about the Valley, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah, about, um, it's just about a lot of things that I really enjoy. The, the big complaint with it, which Lori and I definitely felt, um, but it, we, we maintain that like, I gave this four and a half out of five on, on Letterboxd and I maintain that this does not color my appreciation for the movie, but it does, it does stand out that there is a, this weird age gap between the, the main characters and that's that's apparent even in the in the trailers you know it's a kid who's really into this girl who's not in high school with him you know that's in the trailer and she's just like i don't know why i'm hanging out with these kids you know and so uh the age gap is a little jarring i would say just from a from a 2021 perspective um but again it's the 70s and um paul thomas anderson is a brilliant guy he you know um yeah he, he wrote it that way you right. know there's right. a reason for everything so like he's aware um, of what he's doing yeah. and uh so the performances are outstanding the the visuals are outstanding i highly recommend you see it in 70 millimeter it really really feels like it needs to be seen in 70 millimeter uh at the region at the uh, uh regency village okay um and i can't um, wait the trailer looks incredible the so. last thing i'll say about that is that one i would say one of my only complaints about it is that uh, along with a lot of movies nowadays, some of the dialogue is a little hard to hear at the Regency Village there. And I don't uh, know if okay. it's a function of their sound system. I don't think it is. I think it's a weird mix of the movie. And uh, I just encourage anybody out there who, uh, I, I even me with my speakers and set up the way that I have it, um, some movies are hard to understand nowadays. Yeah. Um, or even if they're not hard to understand the mix, meaning the mix between let's say explosions and dialogue right. is not uh, very good uh, to our ears. And we struggle with that mix probably all the time. So it depends on what you're listening to movies on at home. One but, of the biggest complaints I would get on tours. Uh, right. Why can't and you get that? So, right? so the point is that there is a great, 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 great article by slash film that came out the other day. And essentially the title is here's why movie dialogue has gotten more difficult to understand and three ways to fix it. And it is an extremely dense and long article by a guy named Ben Pearson. Uh, And I say dense in that I'm just so happy someone spent this amount of time tackling the, the, the reasons why and it and spoiler alert, there are like seven reasons why. And he goes into each one of them in detail. Uh, And I think even if you're not technically minded, even if you're uh, just a passive movie watcher, you really, really should read this entire article because it just will give you so much more context for this. Um, and, uh, that's cool, man. I'll check that out. And it's really important. It's really important stuff. Um, all right. Well, we could move on to, um, maybe some television. Yeah. Um, it is like a busy time for television right now. Uh, I'm watching a pretty significant amount of shows. Um, there are so many that are, 
uh, starting up, um, and we'll get into some of the upcoming stuff in a minute. But uh, have you been watching the new season of Yellowstone? No, you know I have not caught up. Oh, I, caught up I, I on didn't Yellowstone. even know that yeah, you weren't yeah. caught up. Sorry. Now I'm 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 very interested. But no, <laughs> sure, sure. But no, yeah, um, it's yeah. Right get on that. Um, I binged a show called Made on Netflix, which is a true yeah. story. I would I would really recommend that. It's um uh, no um, relation to the movie Made. Um, it's M A I D. Oh. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this, but I haven't seen it. And it is um, wonderfully cast with both um, Margaret Qualley from Once Upon a Time and her mom, her real-life mom, Andy McDowell. Andy. And uh, they're both just, like, really, really great actors in general. Uh, Margaret Qualley is, like, coming out of left field just doing yeah. such a great heat. job yeah heat. and she's very young i don't still. think i realized that was a tv show i thought that was a movie it is a mini series it's a one season mini series based on a true story of a young woman yeah, i knew who that, knew that deals with domestic violence she lives in like uh, seattle or something like right, that right i forget washington area and um and she uh is just trying to kind of raise her daughter uh, as a as a maid. You know, she's a maid and she doesn't get paid very much. And and it's just, yeah. but it's a really Ugh. beautiful show about um, uh, a mom who's working really hard and uh, doing doing great by her daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, Shrink Next Door. Have you been watching that on Apple? Yeah, we have. Um, I super enjoy it. It's <laughs> we do too. kind of got mixed we reviews, but it's something that just like connects with me. I just I think for me personally, the vibe of the show, the fact that it's a true story is very interesting. Also, I agree. But even if it wasn't a true story, I just think that uh, I think it's directed by Michael Showalter. I could be wrong. Um, it's just wonderfully uh, told and performed. It's yeah. very kind the of like mellow and yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I love it. Interesting and entertaining for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, did you happen to catch the next episode of uh, Bill Simmons music box? Jagged? Not yet. I, I about it's, it's jagged the little list. pill. Yeah. The I, I literally one night late one night started it up. Cause I yep. really want to watch it. And about five minutes in, I was like, I'm too, I'm too tired. That's fair. I, I, I really, but you I really want to give it the to. time. Yeah. I, I can't um, well, try it. I'm way. just such a huge jagged little pill fan. Yeah, it come was on. One of the, I mean, it, it still is one of the best albums of all time, but it's, it's essentially a little doc about, uh, about jagged little pill. And it, uh, interestingly focuses mostly on interviews with Alanis. Like they don't have a ton of interviews. It's mostly Alanis talking about it. Um, and it's very, and she's satisfying. always been very interesting. God, she's the um, best. She's so cool and normal and wonderful and just really has c- consistently had a good sense of the world around her and obviously created such a masterpiece of an album when she was like 19 years old. I have to I tell didn't even quick. realize how young she oh, was, I know. but it's, that, that, I didn't realize that, that album is just so fucking flawless. Uh, anyways, go on. I have to tell yeah. a quick story. Please do. Um, because it's Alanis. And so when I was in college, my roommate, uh, his best friend from Charlotte, North Carolina, um, Justin Tosco, uh, he and his brother and sister, uh, when they were in their teens, started a band in Charlotte and got pretty big. They were with Maverick Studios and got cool. uh, yeah. had an album, Just In Case, and um, played with, uh, I can't even remember who they did a uh, a song with that was, you know, they were right on, they were right on the cusp. The they were cusp, one of those yeah. bands that were sure, right on the cusp. Yeah. Big in Charlotte, but not, you know, n- never quite made that leap. Sure. Came out to LA to record and stuff. Um, Justin's sort of one of his heroes musically, but also his, his definitely his crush growing up yeah. uh, was Alanis Morissette. Sure. Beautiful. And they're Great. out here on their first trip. And I guess maybe he's like 14, 15, because they were like a teeny bopper band, like in a way. Okay, that was kind of yeah, how they were being marketed. The, their anyway. uh, genre. Yeah. yeah. 
And, um, you know, like you think about the Hanson brothers, you yeah, know, a similar sure. era. And this was a brother and brothers and a sister. Yeah. And a sister was like 12 when they started playing <laughs> oh, bass. Shit. And they yeah. were awesome. They were great. Yeah. They still are. You check out their music just in case. Um, but they met Alanis Morissette. And them telling this story is better. I'm going to butcher it. But I just know the main part. They were having this conversation. And she didn't realize that she was talking to them. She knew they were a young band. She was being very nice. But didn't realize they were, uh, were all related. Oh. And then, like, when, when she realized that, she was like, oh, so you guys are related. Like, this band, like, related. She was, like, impressed, right? Or, like, yeah. oh, they're so young and they're all related or whatever. And Justin, trying to react quickly, and Nick, to his brother, tells the story the best, but said, yeah, but not incestuously <laughs> trying to make a joke, but then that didn't really make any sense and also put a weird sexual vibe on something sure. that wasn't yeah. that way. Yeah. And then he sort of froze because like, I think he realized what he had said and I'm sure his brother and sister were like, what the that. fuck? And in that moment, without any hesitation, Alanis Morissette burst into laughter yes like hysterically yes. started laughing and justin hysterically started laughing and nick and hannah apparently just sort of watched the two of them have this bizarre <laughs> connection off of like a dumb thing that shouldn't have been said that anyway it's always been one of my favorite stories and that was like the end of the meeting that is Never such saw a solid again, story because but... it also illustrates the level to which alanis is like She's a, a, a first. She's a subversive voice. Yep. So that's what we're yep, talking about. For sure. But also, she seems genuinely like so wonderful and supportive yeah, to agreed. other human beings. Agreed. That sh that's like a twofer. You get her uh -huh, just like 100%. being like, "Fucking, that's funny," you know. That's why which I is took how a minute you, to share. which is how you'd feel about someone like Dave Grohl or whoever, where right, they're just like right. they're just on board and they're 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 not trying to you know make things weird or be an asshole. They just want to be a good human and hundred percent. Uh, and that's, that's why she played her. God and Dogma. Right, that's why she exactly. was perfect, perfectly cast. Uh, and she actually talks about that for a moment in, uh, oh, in the movie. That's yeah, great. she's like going through her storage unit, and she gets a Dogma DVD. She's like, she's like, when I read this, she's like, this is the best script awesome. of all time. <laughs> awesome, so, yeah, so good. Um, and uh, speaking of like specials like that, did you catch the Adele uh, concert from yeah, Griffith we Park? We did. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, uh, dude, like what truly they did outstanding with the lights sort of on the observatory and that's called projection mapping w w for Skyfall the one where she sang Skyfall oh yeah I yeah, was yeah. very very interested in it was really just really cool just, just yeah. the whole thing was so from a technical aspect it's one of the best produced things I've ever seen I think it will win an Emmy uh, when we get to the yeah. Emmys for best like whatever they call that variety special or whatever because it's it, it it's so 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 well done and beautiful well and, a couple um, times they would cut and just show you kind of the view from like the mountain really right, like looking out right. and they had a bunch like, of drone shots god la is so gorgeous with, yeah like, the, well, the observatory is my favorite place to go in, in la and just look you know just to get a view yeah. And it's just beautiful, and it's the most filmed location in L.A. It's been in so many things. They it's, really it's nailed wonderful. it, and uh, and of course Adele's awesome, also. Great spot so. to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt that she's one of the greatest um, of all time. So, are you guys watching the new Always Sunny? I assume. Yes, we're yeah. lifers, man. Yeah, I know and, you and, are. I, and I know not everybody is, but if you are, they just continue to not disappoint me. I don't know how they, we're 15 seasons in so good, yeah. and it's like, they're just meant to do this. I mean, I mean, it really does feel is it like me or is, is Charlie getting smarter? <laughs> I think it's almost impossible to have 15 seasons in where 
He's still you can't have him put dumb. anything together yeah, because yeah. I mean, imagine having Joey from Friends right. fifteen years in. The, still the not most recent episodes, in. he's been kind of like a little bit more, but kind I of like, like the voice of reason and yeah, the, yeah. the intelligent voice, which is op- the opposite of. However, who he I do love. Out to be. It, there's a flashback episode where, which I absolutely loved, where they kind of explain how D became <laughs> what she is, oh. which is. I'm sure I saw I don't know it. if you've I, seen it, but fantastic. I've seen them all, but but also you've got Charlie kind of putting together that he actually should own more of the bar than the others. <laughs> and what's great is he starts to put it together, like what you're talking about, and they distract him so easily when they realize where he's going. They're like, "Don't you want a donut or whatever?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I can go for a donut." And like, he just gets distracted so quick that it's great. And they came back for Lethal Weapon Seven. Yeah, they've had, they've had some really. They're just great. I don't now know how they're still Weapon doing Eight. It. Yeah, and they've also got a um, podcast now, by the way. Um, oh, like which is not as good as the does? show. But yeah, they're yeah. just kind of talking about starting the show and and how oh, you know cool. they came to it and, it and it's interesting, man. I love those guys. I love what they do. Yeah. I'm so happy they exist. Um, a couple other TV things. Uh, I've been watching the new Dexter New Blood series on Showtime. Um, it's fine. It's not anywhere near as bad as what Dexter ended up being in the end right. of its run, but it's uh, it's entertaining. I I don't mind it. I just may check that out at some point. She was a big Dexter fan. I could I just could never get into it. Um, That's fair. So I'm not going to. This be is watching not a that significant show you don't right. need to watch it um there was um uh, a south park post covid special yeah, which is a part one yet, of two I, yeah. there's actually going to be another part to it at, at some point here and so it's like an hour long okay and um it's good it's good in that it, it doesn't quite hit the comedy the way that uh, some of their other specials because they've done two other covid specials um uh, or pandemic specials but this one follows them into the future a bit. So we've never seen like a change of time like that. And so it's all the boys when they're much right. older and right. it's, it's a little interesting. Um, but, uh, I would recommend it. It's good. Okay. Um, and then the last couple things, uh, that I'm going to mention, uh, welcome to earth is this new show on Disney plus with Will Smith. Um, yeah. How did I miss this? <clears throat> it's a, it's a, it's a, reality show uh, of him going around the the planet uh, doing uh, things he's never done before. Oh, so it cool. starts out where he's like, I've never climbed a mountain. I've never like scuba dove. Like he says yeah. a bunch of shit that he's never done that you're like, Oh really? You've never done that. And so he's like, I'm going to do it, but they do it in big fashion, you know, big yeah, Disney fashion. So I would really recommend it. Um, I'm only one episode in, but uh, like he hikes up a volcano and goes into the volcano and stuff. Jeez. And it's just, it's just cool stuff. Yeah. It's just cool stuff. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention, uh, which I don't know if you ever got into lost in space on Netflix, but they just had their final season. I did, but I only watched season one. I enjoyed it, but I, but I haven't gotten season around anymore. Two, um, was also enjoyable. And the season three that just aired, um, is, is, is good there. Uh, so uh, to put it in short, um, there's only three seasons. So at some point you might watch it just because yeah, it's, it's an digestible. easy thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not sure why they ended it because they don't need to, but I also am always on board with a show that is yeah, like, we're going to, we're going to end this. Um, lost in space is a really well produced, beautifully shot space show. Everything in it, the production design is absolute top notch. The, uh, you know, costumes and props and everything in it. And, and then even the CG, when we get into heavy CG sequences are as top notch really as you can get with something like this. Right. Um, and then you have, uh, a cast of people for the most part 
who are truly interesting and engaging as opposed to something like Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek <laughs> Discovery is the yeah, counterpart yeah. to this, right? So yeah. they they live in the same universe of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, God, Amazon calling me. Why did my <laughs> phone buzz when I have it on Do Not Disturb? I don't get it. Isn't that the whole point of Do Not Disturb? Anyways. <laughs> um, so uh, my point is that Star Trek Discovery, you can't help but compare it because what we want Star Trek to be is is actually what the Orville is and yeah. kind of what yeah. Lost in Space is. Okay. So it fits into that niche. And, and you know, you have Star Trek Discovery with this huge budget and huge ensemble. And I haven't everyone, even gotten back to this newest season. Yet. I haven't either. I didn't even talk about it yet because I don't give a shit. But Star <laughs> Trek Discovery is full of a bunch of, like, really not great performances by a bunch of people that were miscast or their dialogue is written so stupidly or the plot is so terrible. And you have something like Lost in Space, which is so far more competent and interesting and it lost in space is also like a little bit on the young adult spectrum. Cause it's mostly about the three right. Robinson yeah. kids. I knew that from, and so one. that's okay with me. Like I don't fault it for being a little bit skewed young, no, that's you fine. know? Um, but it, it has so much like promise and hope and, and youthfulness to it. And it's also just cool and fun. And it's an adventure show. It's a true, like, you know, yeah. going out in space yeah. to planets, cool, weird planets. There's a bunch of shit in this new season where it's like TOS Star Trek, where it's just like yeah. rocky planet sets right. yeah. where they Come built on. On the board. sets. It's not a person on a green screen. There's a bunch of like paper awesome. mache rocks, and awesome. you're just like, this feels really yeah. cool. Come on, that yeah. they have built all of this, and it's not just a they green go home screen. right now and start um, fire. fire back I just, up. I just think it's a really <laughs> positive show, and it's obviously only like ten episodes a season or whatever. So it's, or actually, I think the season's only eight. It's very easy. That's I watched cool, it in like a day. Yeah, so that's good to, um, good to hear. Anyways, that's all I got for TV. Um, what do you got? The only other thing, other than the ones you've mentioned here, that I um that I I've given a world to is, yeah. and I know you won't care about this one. It's cause it's fantasy and everything else, but the <laughs> wheel of time series on Amazon. Oh yeah. I, no, I never I read those books, but those are, that's a series that when you talk about like your Lord of the Rings or game of Thrones or Harry Potter's, it's, it's one of those series that gets brought up sure. and kind of the, you know, what are the big five, you know, fantasy series, like a series, I think like 14 books or something. Sure. Um, there's interesting elements to it. I have not read the books, but I, but I know them and they're, they're very much on kind of the, they're philosophical you know what i mean there's a lot of kind of religious aspects to them and mythological aspects and they're they're woven together in a really interesting way yeah um kind of based more in kind of the buddhist idea sort of like the matrix we were talking about earlier off pod kind of this sort of transcending the world and the world being pain and suffering and things recycling and returning over and over again and you know messiah is coming back and you know savior type type characters it is not good enough for me to want to continue <laughs> watching it. Okay. And it just keeps introducing. Is this with Rosamund Pike? Yeah. Is she the star? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It keeps introducing things that are interest that are so interesting to me story-wise. It's like every time I'm about to get off board, it drops one and I'm like, fuck. And, yeah. then I, and then I get back in. And I was talking to Jess about this, but the reason I bring it up is not for any reason to talk about the show other than it's the first time I've legitimately been worried, concerned about the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> so <laughs> purely because this one yeah. is missing the mark well, so much. And, and who knows whether or not this, first of all, I can't judge whether it's completely missing because I haven't yeah. read the books right. and I don't care about it as much, but it comes off so Xena warrior princess in oh. terms of its production quality. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, a, it's better than that, but 
it just comes off as such a fucking TV show, even though it's not true TV anymore. You know sure. what I mean? Like, and I'm like, okay, so Amazon that has more money than God and bought Lord of the Rings for the most, if anything's ever been bought. And, you know, obviously I'm invested in that. I've never been as concerned about Lord of the Rings. It didn't bother me that the Hobbit movies are not good because I think because the book is definitive to me mm-hmm. and I love the Lord of the Rings movies, but like the book is like definitive. Whereas Star Wars you know, as you know, bothers me so much when they fuck with Star Wars. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it just impacts me so much if you're fucking with the originals and you're, you know, lowering the brand standard. Yeah. With Lord of the Rings, it's never bothered me, which is why I don't think I was nervous about this. But watching this has really made me be like, oh man, this might suck. Like, this might be terrible um for all this money and well, they're already my in analysis of Amazon so far as a as a as a filmmaking and studio um, is not great. Like I don't Me too. think Me too. I think they have not a good track record. I think they have not good people making the creative decisions. And I also think that they're incredibly cheap, which is weird because yeah, like you say, the amount more of money, money that they have, but more specifically how much they've spent on yeah. uh, this Lord of the Rings series. I, I mean, it better not feel that way to you, but I wouldn't be surprised right. if it does. Yeah, and it, it's the same—not that it's in filmmaking at all—but it's the same feeling as uh, going to see the new Resorts World uh, Hotel in Vegas. That is the most expensive resort ever built, I think, and it's definitely the most expensive resort ever built in Vegas at four point two billion dollars, and it looks like shit. Yeah absolute yeah. garbage it makes you and realize so, it's not just the money it's got to go towards something well good. it's got to be no well you used. have to have someone yeah exactly well at at the helm that really knows what they're doing which is why you go into the win made by steve win yeah and you go steve win made this place because he has great taste and he made a beautiful thing and he knows what he's doing and then you go across the street to resorts world which yeah. is way more expensive and it looks like fucking garbage so i i really hope that doesn't happen to you with this series because right. that amount of money is God. is ungodly and uh and uh, and you know it just it stinks of, i don't you know i don't know the guy obviously it stinks of bezos the idea of bezos yes. like what you hear it does. about him it does 100%. because you know he famously said after like game of thrones it's like threw money at it and was like, give me the next game of Thrones. It's a guy who clearly doesn't care about the fact that this is a story that's older than that. And has lasted for a hundred years. You know what I mean? Close to, and has avid fans and loyal fans and the movies were huge. All these things. It's someone who clearly isn't invested in all that just wants the, okay, give me the result of that. And I understand how if you were that rich and wealthy and everything, you would expect that. But it just makes me long for I, – w- I wish so much already without knowing where we're going that like HBO had bought it and sure. put all that money into oh, 100%. it. 100%. Oh, or I, anybody else. Because I, even Netflix, uh, with how much like kind of mediocre stuff they make, I also think they know what they're doing. And when they want yeah. to make something good, they do make something good. Right. They, they – you know, even like uh, Lost in Space. Watch Lost in Space. And I bet Lost in Space costs a fraction of what for sure. new – for sure. Lord of the Rings show cost, and it just is really, really well, well done. And next, Netflix also Netflix also recognizes or seems to recognize. Okay, that's outside of our scope. We're not going to spend that much, mm-hmm. so this is not the show for us because we right. won't be successful anyway, and we right. want to be successful at stuff. And so, there's other things I think they would buy. Yeah, just like where is their compass and yeah. where is their kind of what do we ethics? Make? What does A24 make really right. well? But right. what's the scope? Amazon of that doesn't scale? seem to have 
a direction. They're very uh, they're they're the yeah. least the least uh, kind of quality of these <sighs> companies. It's very so. it's very um it's just very, it got me very nervous and watching these. I've yeah, just I'm been sorry like, to hear Holy that. Shit, well, maybe is... they'll prove us wrong. I but don't know. yeah, I'm still hopeful. Um, but we'll see. We should talk about some news if we can do that. Let's do it. Um, a couple of deaths. Uh, great character actor Dean Stockwell died from Quantum Leap and uh, oh, yeah. Blue Velvet yeah. and Dune and. Beverly Hills Cop, remember him in oh, uh, in uh, Air Force One? He's sign it. You gotta yes. sign it. You know. Yes. Um, and, oh, uh, man, and she no. doesn't sign it, and she tears right, it up and right. throws it back in his face. The buck stops uh, here. I think he plays with the Secretary of Defense. I think. Um, and then, of course, Stephen Sondheim passed away as well. And uh, that's, legend. That's pretty sad. You know, legend in yeah in the Broadway scene. I've got a little clip to to kind of honor him in a way, which of course, you know, for those of us that didn't really grow up with Broadway. Broadway or knowing much about Broadway, um, this is this was my my awareness of Stephen Sondheim uh, growing <laughs> up. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two. I'm a gypsy. Four. That's someone who goes from chorus line to chorus line. Six, seven, eight. You know, I was on Broadway once. Really? For almost twelve minutes. Oh. Show close the first night but god i was so good you should have seen me you'd have loved me (laughs) (laughs) you know who i feel has really revolutionized the american musical theater that's stephen sondheim yeah yeah who's who's that stephen sondheim (laughs) yeah does he do a lot of musicals and stuff yeah yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. really great clip. I, mean, I can't believe you found that or remembered that from Smoking the Bandit. Dude, that's I've really seen great. Smoking the Bandit seven million oh, okay. times. Yeah, I guess and that's and th- this is my experience with Stephen Sondheim. So um, he, you know, Stephen Sondheim, and, and it's very present because he, uh, you know, originally created the lyrics for West Side Story back in the, yeah. you know, true legend. Of, I don't even know when that hit Broadway, the 50s, because the movie was what, 62 yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah, late 50s, um, early 60s. And so with the new West Side Story coming out, it's very interesting he just passes away hopefully he saw it uh you know spielberg let him see it before he died but uh, yeah i wonder he's also very very relevant i don't know if you saw tick tick boom um, no but Andrew i know Garfield. that's right yeah that's, i mean that movie as much as he's just a side piece of that mm-hmm. um that movie really um it's first of all it's very good uh I'm gonna watch if it. you're interested yep. in the broadway stuff at all yeah, Andrew, Andrew garfield's fantastic he learned to play piano for this nice. which is I, I, I know that's supposedly true. I don't know how that can be true because he's not just playing a little bit piano. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's performing and singing sure. along with playing and directing people. Um, and it's all about the, um, the revolution, another revolutionary voice who wrote rent and, you know, a lot of things that people know that kind of changed Broadway in the early nineties. But right. it's so clear while you're following this character, a real person, how Sondheim is just revered and how he is yeah, this kind of the sort king, of God yeah. amongst men yeah, for yeah. Broadway at that point. And th- there's a person who plays the Sondheim character because he shows up a couple times in Tick, Tick, Boom. But the voice recording that he called to encourage this young writer-director uh-huh. is real. Don't Stop is the actual recording, uh-huh. and it is Sondheim's voice. It, maybe it's not the actual recording. Maybe they re-recorded Re-created, him. But, it's the, but the, it is the Sondheim content. himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so he must have done that very, very close to cool. you know, his yeah. death. I don't know. I, I assume he was in bad health. I will, I I will be watching that. That's uh, It's worth seeing. Definitely check it out. And obviously, rest in peace. I grew up you know, with my mom being a music teacher and such a Broadway fan. I definitely knew about Sondheim. So. Yeah, he did uh, Sweeney Todd. He did Into the Woods and right, Gypsy. Right. And all Into the things, Woods so. is one of the all-timers right. for me. So. Anyway. Um, a couple other uh, uh, fan, uh, 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 news things. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Um, yeah, right. Uh, you know, so we have upcoming Spider-Man uh, uh, Far uh, No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> far away Spider-Man, from home. Spider-Man Home, 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 Home. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home. It will be out uh, in a few days. So it's we're recording this on the 12th. It'll be out on the 16th. And uh, it is the highest... It was the highest overnight ticket sales of all time. And it Whoa. was the second high, or I should say pre-sale, you know, any, anytime yeah. the movie yeah. is on pre-sale. So it, so it beat all the Star Wars movies. So essentially the, the, the list is essentially like end game uh, of, of, of all time pre-sale tickets in a uh, first day. Okay. So more specifically first day pre-sale tickets um, and end game beats it by just a, very narrow margin, and then you have Spider-Man: uh, No Way Home, and then you have like the Star Wars movies, right. recent Star Wars right, movies. Right, right. So that all makes sense. But the point is, it crashed like every ticketing site out there, and uh, you know AMC was down, and all these things were down. So it's it's it bodes very well for the movie industry and uh, for AMC. AMC is also issuing these NFT, you know, uh, NFTs, uh, these these tokens, uh, you know, these images uh to the first 86,000 people. So right, I I right. signed up to do that and hopefully I'll I'll be able to see it uh, on the 16th next week to be able to redeem my NFT. Um but the point is that um I think uh it, between this and between like um Matrix 4 that's coming up and yeah. and all these yeah. big movies we're going to have a huge huge uh, winter season. For sure. Uh, and uh, and I know they kind of did this within the Spider-Verse but actually bringing characters from the Spider-Man yeah. movies that we're we've gonna seen see previously to what length like. they do that. Without, yeah, and, you <laughs> because know, it, we don't really know. And I'll just say it's got you know Jess cares even less than I do about like the Marvel stuff and yeah. just never wants to see any of it. And it's just kind of like ah, if you want to go, go. Um, this whole Doc Ock and Green Goblin and seeing the you know little grenade Fox, type of thing fall that guy's in. Name is, yeah. yeah, she didn't really care about him, but yeah, right. <laughs> but right. uh, seeing that like. Uh, made her interested enough that she was like, oh, let's, she's excited to go see it. And I think that's significant because that's, you know, even if it's playing on nostalgia. It works. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, I loved the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man sure. 2. I was on board. So anyway, um, a couple other bits of news. Uh, HBO has supposedly scrapped the entire Game of Thrones sequel that they were in production of. I don't know if you heard this, but they spent $30 million on the pilot. Okay, so originally they were going to do a different spinoff series, and then they scrapped that, and then they started on another spinoff series. Are they scrapping the second spinoff series now? House I thought, of, House of Dragons. I thought this was the newest. I thought this was the newest news about it, but maybe I'm I'm, wow. I'm miss miss miss. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't news. tell you right now because okay. I hadn't looked into it. But you could be right. At maybe they're scrapping you, both. At what point did they scrap the first one? I thought it was pretty early on. I thought it was just script phase. Like and they were when, like, no, though? we're not going to do that. You're talking a year ago? Yeah, you're talking six yeah, months ago? Yeah, a year, year and a half, like right around the end of I don't know. Uh, the I don't original know. Game of Thrones. Uh, I really don't know. Interesting. Okay. Um, because I don't really care well, about Game Well, there's trouble in paradise but, for yeah. Game of Thrones either um, way. We also Is this House of Dragons? Do you know if it's called? I fucking don't okay. know or care. <laughs> <Okay>. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, you guys call us <laughs> and tell us. Email us and let us know what's going on I'm with the Game of Thrones I'm done talking about this now. Got to be better than Will of Time. Also in the news 
Disney has removed Deep Water from the schedule from January. That was a movie that was on my calendar. Yeah, what the um, hell is ben going Affleck on? I texted you about this one. I don't know. Really interesting to me and really weird and that the, this the, happened. The fun theory online is just that J-Lo got a hold of them. And was like, <laughs> nope, you're not going to let my husband or my boyfriend be in a movie with another girl. Um, so good. That would be pretty funny. And then we, we've known this for a bit, but Mel Gibson confirmed that he will direct Lethal Weapon 5. So, okay. Um, hey, yeah. like I said, the Always Sunny guys have already made Lethal Weapon 5 through 7. 5 so through 7, yeah. You yeah. can make Lethal Weapon 8. Um, so uh, moving on to like some upcoming things. This is, I'm just going to like stream of consciousness. There's many movies coming up, but you've got Matrix, Re- Matrix Resurrections. You've got The King's Man. You've got Don't Look Up. You've got Being the Ricardos. West Side Story's out this weekend. Um, but also TV coming up, MacGruber. Yes, <laughs> on Peacock. God, it's, yes, we're getting a fully realized MacGruber TV series with the full cast. God, I hope it's as good as that. That is one of the most underrated comedy movies. God damn it! To me I'm so excited. I didn't know this existed until the other day, and it's coming out soon, December 16th, so in a few yeah, days. Very and excited. just the fact that they got everybody to be involved, and uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love MacGruber. I'm going to try not to talk <clears throat> about it to Jess. I hope she hasn't heard about it, and then I'm just going to put it on one night. MacGruber, it's going to blow. TV series, yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, we have 1883, the Yellowstone prequel series. I've seen the billboards for that. Um, which is coming out uh, on the 19th. We have Book of Boba Fett, December 29th. Very yeah, excited those trailers that. just keep pulling me in, man. Super excited. And then uh, we get a new season of Billions in January. So I don't know. There's some fun stuff coming up. Um, Did you see the trailer for Operation Fortune? The new Guy Ritchie oh, spy no. one? I, that's on my radar, but I didn't actually watch the trailer yet. Is I hope good? that's good. I, I, the trailer looks fun. Um, I I like the concept. I like the idea. I think you will, too, but I'll wait till you see it to, to chat with you about it. But, you know, I really, really enjoyed uh, Man from U.N.C.L.E., Right. His movie great, and people, yeah. you know, which flopped. So I'm curious to see him dip his toe back into kind of the spy world with his um, sort of style and stuff. I, like I said, I enjoyed that. So hopefully this one will be good, too. Absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, we could move on to kind of wrapping some things up. I think we should talk about Christmas movies for a few minutes uh, because it is going to be our last episode before Christmas. We, I'm going to be out of town. Patrick will be out of town. Um, it is the silly season. uh, Yeah. After the new year, we will be back hopefully for another episode, uh, and many more. Um, but, uh, but it is that time. So, uh, what do you think about uh, Christmas movies this year? Are there any that you're really rewatching or new ones you've seen? Yeah, I, I, me- I mean, I mentioned um, Love Hard, which uh, was enjoyable for me because sure. you know. And again, I'm just now realizing because I'm an idiot that the title is actually Love Actually and Die Hard. That's why it's Love Hard. Got it. Um, but yeah, just just kind of debating Christmas movies, and it's the same thing. It's the girl goes to the small town and whatever. But uh, but it's just fun. It's dumb. It's fun. We talked about Eight Bit Christmas. Um, also a fun movie. Look, these movies are always going to be kind of cheesy, but they're they're worth checking out. There's one that I watched that I absolutely would not recommend, and even in the realm of <laughs> silliness, it's okay. just not good. It's called Father Christmas is Back, and it uh, stars yeah, um, uh, Fraser Crane. It stars... Um, 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 oh, I, uh, uh, I know Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer. Grammer. Yeah, All yeah. I could think was Leslie Nielsen. I right, don't know right, why. Right. Kelsey Grammer. Um, it's got Elizabeth Hurley. It's got some people in it, and it's just it's really bad. It's not like <laughs> bad where it's like fun. It's just bad. Yeah. Um, and then also, um, Jess and I watched a movie um, called Snowmance, which was uh, the only reason we watched it is because it was on How Did This Get Made? Sure. Um, and real dumb, but I'm gonna be honest. 
the actors in that movie, it's one of those Hallmark movies where like every now and again, remember we talked about Denise Richards being so committed oh, yeah. in um, the T-Rex movie? Um, Tammy or Tanny the T-Rex? Tammy, Tammy and the T-Rex, um, yeah. it, It's like a, a guy, uh, she builds a snowman. She keeps pretending all through her youth that this is going to be my dream guy. you know, And sure. he'll be like this and he'll be like that. And her best friend, of course, who's in love with her, helps her build it. That's the premise. And then one year the snowman comes to life. She puts her mom's scarf who's passed away around it. It comes to life. The guy playing the snowman, <laughs> the guy playing the snowman yeah. Is so good. He has oh, no business cool. being that committed and that good. It's absurd. Even on the when we listened to the How Did This Get Made, they were stating the same thing that we were talking about. They were like, "Why is he good in this? Like <laughs> he shouldn't be." In it. So anyway, awesome. but it's it's not a good movie. But that was one because of that that I think is more fun and worth watching. We will definitely, certainly, of course, uh, be rewatching Love Actually, which I force yeah. us to do every year. Um, That's great. And a Die Hard will always come up. We've already done Lethal Weapon since we did. Our, um, yeah. our our commentary. Um, and then um, I believe my brother already texted me and said our Christmas Eve movie when Jess and I will be in North Carolina yeah. this year will be Home Alone 2 this year. Hey, that's Lost solid. New York. That's so, solid. Yeah, that's always a, fun. A, a fun lineup and I recommend obviously every one of those. Um, um, so, I think yeah. the only ones that I need to uh, rewatch this year is I probably will do Die Hard again. So good. Um, and then uh, every year my go-to is Family Man. It's my favorite. Yeah, you know what? It's one of my favorite movies, but it's... We it's, agree on this, though. I like Family Man as well. I think oh, it's largely God, forgotten. It's um, fucking so good. And fuck Brett Ratner, but it's a great, yeah, no. great, great, yeah, great movie. And I just love Nicolas Cage. This is, to me, this is, to me, like peak Nicolas Cage, because I just love when Nicolas Cage is being an, uh, an, an earnest, kind of normal-ish guy. And, right, and he, right. there's tinges of some fun that he has with the character because he starts as kind of a rich asshole and blah, blah, blah. But it, it just, it's so wholesome and interesting. And um, I just love it. I love yeah. that movie so yeah. much. Well, um, one other thing, I've mentioned it before, but um, but I'll just say it again. It was one of my hidden gems one year. But um, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol is my yeah, all-time yeah. favorite version of that story sure it's just so fucking heartwarming i will definitely put that on at some point and it's just you know, like it takes you 25 minutes to watch it's so short and if you yeah. want yeah your heart uh, we talked about that before how we used sizes. to think like it was a full movie yep but yep i had really no idea not. i had no concept of time when um, watching a film so i will mention that sorry my easy for you my ears just popped Ooh, that was weird anyways um Part of my movie watching group on Fridays, we're, we're doing Christmas movies, and oh, essentially yeah, we just right. narrowed it down to three because we we wanted to do three weeks before Christmas. And right, right, that makes sense. So, <laughs> so we basically put a huge sheet together of all these Christmas movies, and we were trying to get people to vote on things they had never seen before. Yes, yes, and That's the way to do it. Uh, and then what we did was we assigned point values to them, so everyone voted. They picked two. Or they they um, put two in the list, but then they voted for three, and okay. so okay. It, it allowed for of there other to be picks. three yeah. picks. Yeah. yeah, and um, the three picks were Reindeer Games, <laughs> yes. Batman Returns, and Jingle All the Way. You don't know <laughs> how happy I. So those are the three, am. and so for what it's worth, we've already done two of those. We did Reindeer Games uh, two Fridays ago. <laughs> And everyone, so I was the only one that had seen it before. Because of me, baby. Because of last year when you you helped me to watch it. <laughs> and uh, but for the record, when I watched it last year, I don't remember how I how I worded it last year, but I didn't like dislike it. Yeah, I of just course. I was just like, yeah, that's yeah, it's fine, just a movie. whatever. They were so mad at me for allowing <laughs> them to watch it. 
Like they're still angry. When we watched Batman last night or the yes. night before, they were like, we're still mad about last night. Oh, my God. And they're like, how did yes. you not warn us? And I'm like, that's not how voting yeah, works. This what is the not, fuck are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, I completely everyone, disagree with them on this. Everyone voted. You guys voted to watch it. And I was like, for the record, there's only like six of us, seven of us, and I didn't put any points on Reindeer Games. So I did my part by not giving it any the benefit of any points. Look, so the, the fact that we're watching it means you guys all wanted to watch exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Based sheerly on the marketing of that beautiful movie. And Look, uh, the, yeah. the final shot of Ben Affleck at that table with his family. <laughs> it's so dumb. Is, it's so dumb. It's like a miracle <laughs> that this even happened. Like, it's almost like the room where you're like, how did this all come together? It is again? kind of a, it is kind of like the it's room. an anomaly. I don't know how. Anyway, so yeah, high recommend they, from Patrick, yeah. low recommend just, from Kelly's I, friends. I just remember when, um, when he's in the hotel room and he breaks out of the handcuffs yes. and he like goes yes. outside, he does whatever. And then they're like, wait, he's going back in. He broke out. Yep. He can yep. run away. And they were so upset that he went back in and he like reattached himself to the bed because, you know, he's playing the long game and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's trying to, I guess right. for some reason right. play this long game and he's got to maybe protect, he feels some reason to protect her, but not at that point because he's found out that she's double costing him. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just so, <laughs> it, they were just so mad at the movie. They're like, this movie's garbage. This movie's the worst oh. movie ever. And uh, they're not wrong, but also yeah, not wrong. I enjoyed it, and uh, they didn't. Um, so I have whatever. no reason to know Reindeer Games as well as I do, <laughs> but I do. So glad I can spread that yeah. across uh, uh, the field. And then what was fun was last night and the night before we watched Batman Returns, which uh, Mike yeah. had never seen. What? And Mike is a big um, like comic book Wait, guy. Wait, how old is Mike? He's my age, 35. How did he miss Batman Returns? I don't know. So uh, just in terms his, of existing his in the world. Answer, his answer to that is that, um, you know, he didn't see it when it was out, but when he was uh, old enough, I think all the other ones had come out forever and Batman and Robin oh, had come okay. out. And he was like, they all just seemed so schlocky to me that I ignored all of yeah. them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, except the, the two Burton ones are different. Yeah, they aren't. They're totally different. So you can't, like, Shoot I'll my. forgive you if you never watch Forever and Batman and Robin. And even Forever has some redeeming qualities. But, like, Batman Returns is great. And he sat here. He came over. He sat here. And he seemingly fucking loved it. And I loved it, too. I was on the edge of my right, seat. I've seen right. it a million times. I was like, Mike, I've seen this seven million times. And it's still just, like, great every time. And as I get older, every time I watch it, it gets better. Because there's so much like adult stuff right, in that right. movie, yeah. The interactions between everybody and uh, the, the kind of the the uh, emotional kind of stance of each individual character is yeah. so uh, adult and it's so elevated um, that I just have great respect for that oh, yeah, movie. Man, look, aside like, from it being like a comic book movie that was heavy on the merchandise, it's not a comic book movie. And look, it's, Tim Burton didn't know the comics; he was making a Tim Burton. Also, version Batman's of, in it, like. Seven minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the least Batman. It's the least Batman yeah. movie about Batman. It's it's about Batman in that it's about the three aspects of Batman's uh, character that are in all the villains, right? Or in the like, psyche. Yeah, it's like all the different yeah. aspects. Of it. But you know, Batman and Batman Returns are 
not even in the same universe. Not even forever nope. in uh, nope. Batman and Robin. I mean, the, nope. the, we those told are part Mike, of the same we were series. Like, Mike, you got to go yeah, watch that's Batman. Crazy. You know, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, um, come on. Like Nicholson is the joke. Anyway, okay. And then we're it. wrapping up with Jingle All the Way, which again, I'm <laughs> kind of surprised they voted for, and a lot of them are really upset that it got voted for. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Well, I didn't know, vote for it at all. You can't um, get enough of a uh, little Anakin. Yeah, um, right. And that. So anyway, and Sinbad. <laughs> So. Uh, pretty stupid. Um, anyways, before we do a hidden jam, I should just do a few uh, Rotten Tomato scores with Let's you. Let's do it. We're going to do essentially Christmas, you know, part two because uh, last Christmas we did, um, we did a bunch of um, Christmas movies. Yeah, holiday and so I had to go through and go, okay, which ones did we not do? And so I have a few various Christmas cool. movies. Cool, cool. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, no particular order. Uh, the Santa Claus. Oh, okay. Santa Claus. Um, hmm. Santa Claus, I'm going to say critics gave a 75 and audiences gave a 83. 72 and 65. Audiences gave Santa Claus a 65? Crazy, right? What a bunch of cold-hearted bastards. I totally agree. I I enjoyed that movie. As a kid, kids loved that one. At yeah, the time. Kids like, don't uh, generally yeah, they don't vote. vote. <laughs> <laughs> They're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I said that out loud, I yeah, realized yeah. kids dumbest. loved it. <laughs> well, my, that's, my that's dog funny, loved that movie. No, that's um, weird because I yeah. feel like almost though that parents can usually tell when they're i don't know who cares who I don't cares know. okay I no lower idea. than i thought that's um, all I can say. how about the muppet christmas carol i mean i'm beloved by everyone i think yeah, of course. Um, i say, voted highly for this in our in our movie category yeah, and i'm yeah. mad that i mean look i, I argue mickey's and i'll argue it till the end of till i go to my grave but i mean this is clearly the the favorite of right. the you know worldwide favorite from the masses Big um, time, yeah. by acclamation um i would say critics gave it a 90 Four and audiences gave it. No, I'll say critics gave it a ninety-two. Audiences ninety-four. Seventy-six. What the fuck is happening? Eighty-six. Our, I'm trying to remember our list from last year. Are no Christmas and holiday movies ranked higher than a certain? Like, is the threshold oh. like if you get to the high eighties, that's like a hundred? I think we should for finish movie? what I have here. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, for that's sure. a but that's a valid question. Um, I wonder because I could be on a totally different scale here. Bad Santa. <laughs> Which I didn't see until last year for the first okay, time. Okay, Bad Santa. I think Bad Santa got from critics got like a eighty two, and audiences gave it a seventy eight, seventy eight, and seventy five. Okay, that one makes sense to me. That's yeah. about where I thought it should right. land. I was not a fan of that movie. I wasn't either. I, I, I don't go it. to Christmas movies for cynicism. No, and no it's no. not that it can't ever be done well. But if you're gonna give me that, you got to at least give me Scrooge. Well, Bill Murray is learning something. He can right. start that way. But yeah, that wasn't know. for me. I yeah, don't like anyway. It. Um, all right. Next up, Elf. Uh, okay. God, this could break my heart. Um, <laughs> so critics for Elf, I think, gave it an 84, and audiences gave it a 90. 85 and 79 audiences gave elf lower than critics. I I would agree that that's weird, but I also maintain that when I saw elf for the first time and I was, you know, I saw it when it came out 2003. So I was a teenager. Um, not a fan. No, listen, we agree on this. We've talked about this before on pod. Yeah, it, it was, I loved Will Ferrell and I wanted to be the character, but I didn't think the movie was, I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was a next level Christmas movie. But I thought that I, 
even in us having this conversation yeah. before, I thought we felt alone in this because so many people gravitated Love to it. it so much, and Will yeah. Ferrell was so big. That's why I'm surprised by the ranking. Yeah. Not because I think Elf is not even in my like my top five Christmas movies. I think right. Will Ferrell as Elf is so iconic. Right. That, I, you know, it is what it is for me. I sure, love it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not popping on that movie every year. Christmas. Uh, fair enough. Fair but, enough. But interesting. Still lower than I thought. Uh, kiss, so. kiss, bang, bang. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, critics, I think, really like this. I'm going to say critics gave it an 88 and I'll say audiences gave it a 80. 86 and 87. That's, oh, I think, our highest higher, one so higher. far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of these. Okay. Um, and last but not least, not one of my favorites at all. A Christmas story. Yeah, I, w- I was going to mention this when we said when I said I don't go to Christmas movies for cynicism. I I, yeah. I have never understood this. I don't know why people love it. My family all feels the same way. I think Jess does, but I know it's beloved to a lot of people. Um, I mean, I think it's liked, man. I think I'm going to say critics gave it a. I'll say critics gave it a 88, and audiences gave it a 85. Unfortunately, it's the highest one so far at 89 and 88. I, I don't, I don't understand get it. it. I don't get and, it. At you know, all. as much as every year I feel like I get more cynical and I try so hard not to and it makes me sad and I don't want to be that person. Sure. But then I see stuff like this and I feel like, okay, I'm still on the right side of this line. I'm not, you right. know what I mean? Like society has moved further into the darkness than I have and at least. I feel like I'm winning in that way. And it's not that there aren't moments that I think are iconic in that. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. I just, I just oh, don't I fully get it. Don't get it. And you know what? When I was I a kid, I watched it. And we probably talked about this last year, but when I was a kid, I watched it because I thought that it was so important as a Christmas yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was on so much, you know, they did the TBS the 24 hours of a Christmas story and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I think I like watched it a few times and I and I probably was like, oh yeah, that's cute. He gets a gun and blah blah blah. And it's like you know, tongue to the but bowl. as an adult, I don't see anything redeeming about it. I'm really not. I mean, I get. I agree. What they were going for. I agree. But I don't enjoy it whatsoever. And I yeah. didn't enjoy it at any point watching it. Yeah. And you know so, what? I don't it's, know. It's one know. of those things we talked to last time we talked about this, we talked about how, you know, this was relevant to maybe like the boomers. It is. And a we don't think it'll stay thing, relevant, yeah. but right. it, it seems to still be in the, um, in the role in the right now. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Very weird. Um, well, that's all I have for rotten tomato scores. Do you have a hidden gem for us before we go? Uh, I, I do. And as much as I was just crapping on a Christmas story, I've got a movie that's only, uh, relevant here because of the title in no way is it like a Christmas movie, but, um, have you ever seen the movie, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. It's David Bowie. Yeah. It's a war movie. It's a POW movie. So right. I, I'm not pitching this even for this time period, but it did pop up and I've always kind of wanted to mention it as a hidden gem to sure. me. It's, it's a strange movie. It's unusual. Um, but I really dug it. Um, it, it's the, the soundtrack is very like kind of eighties and synthy mm-hmm. on top of this very kind of brutal, POW movie, but it's kind of about mankind and how we're all connected, even when we're at odds with each other, or that's kind of ultimately where it gets. And I really like it. It's unlike anything else I've seen. It's, it's very strange. It's very weird. 
um, but in a way that I enjoyed. So I'm throwing it out there as a hidden gem. That's cool. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Do not watch it during the holiday season. Um, it is not the movie I'm saying you need to watch right now. Watch a Christmas movie. Um, have a watch good time. Family Man. Enjoy the Family yeah, Man. Yeah, That's exactly. the one to watch. Enjoy your it. family during this time um, and these yeah. movies. But but yeah, at some point, uh, fire that one up. Keep it on your list and uh, and check it out. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you after the holidays. Uh, have a good holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Take care Merry of each Christmas, other. everybody.